Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Pengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yep, still operating on one uh, earphone here, <laughs> or on headphone, or whatever it is. It's it's crazy. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. The biggest news, of course, is that uh, we will be moving to Rumble. So we're going to rumble on rumble. We'll be video. I just have to figure out when. And so it's just a question of doing that. I've got to, I got a workshop with a friend of mine coming up uh, this week. Uh, and the other news is we have uh, a big, big video I'll be making with uh, Larry Downs Jr., which we've uh, rescheduled for tomorrow. And so that'll be tomorrow afternoon. So all you who are just waiting anticipation, you know, with anticipation for today, ain't, ain't going to happen. So we're going to do it tomorrow. And so that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, Larry's great. We're going to actually write, like, well, I don't know if we're actually writing legislation on the air, but there's a good chance that we will be, uh, we're going to go through the website, writeyourlaws.com. We're going to talk about Citizen Legislation Day. Uh, we're going to talk about Larry's protectivism. Uh, he's got various meetings that he covers for the county of Escambia, which is next to us here at Santa Rosa. So Larry's the local gadfly. And he's been covering school board meetings and city council and county commissions. He's been doing this for a long time. And so he's well known. Uh, and he puts a lot of his own time and money into it. I mean, he's serious about being a, a citizen advocate. So, of course, he's natural for helping us here at Action Radio. And so what we're going to do is make a big video tomorrow. So Larry Downs, Jr., Larry Downs, D-O-W-N-S, uh, Jr., go to his page and go to my page, and then you should be able to see all the stuff we're doing. All right. So the other thing uh, is uh, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook keeps putting me under restriction. So, so just out of curiosity, I thought I'd go to Facebook today and say, hey, you know, where, how late is my, my latest restriction? Well, of course, they've extended it. You know, it's supposed to be October, then November, then December. And they always find a reason to uh, – they'll, they'll find some post somewhere in my 24-plus groups, and they'll find some post that, that some fact checker found, you know, offended them, you know, six months ago. <laughs> oh, sorry, got to restrict you again. We're going to put you lower in the news feed. Well, I don't know how much lower in the news feed I can go. I, I think I'm pretty much – I'm so low in the news feed. Remember, those are – remember, Pianchi's on the on live chat now. He's probably – He's listening to this, but um, I put this post on, I think it's about a month ago. And I said, uh, you know, let me know when you, when you finally read this. And, and th- a month later, things were still coming in. Oh, found it, <laughs> found your post. And so they dated it and people dated it all the way across a month. So, uh, so social media is effectively useless for me. It really is. There's, there's not much I can do. I don't post my show there anymore. When uh, Larry posts, uh, Larry Downs Jr., who's doing our video, he posts one of our bills, the Vaccine Product Liability Bill. Uh, Facebook refuses to put our logo in it. So we have this beautiful logo of a Capitol building. It's all surrounded by this beautiful, uh, gorgeous, actually, you know, turquoise blue background. Anybody that's been to our website, writeyourlaws.com, has seen this, writeyourlaws.com. That's where we write our legislation. Uh, and so you will find this, uh, this beautiful display. And, of course, Facebook won't allow that, right? So they, they, only, they, only, they only post my show, right? They don't let me post the bills with the logo. They, they keep restricting me every chance they get, which means I'm doing something right. And now the irony of this is the restriction comes up January 7th. Well, well January, <laughs> January 7th, is this, that's Citizen Legislation Day. That's the day that we're going to be at the Imogene Theater here in uh, beautiful downtown Milton, the center of the universe, um, you know, about half an hour from Pensacola on the, on the Gulf of Mexico here in the panhandle of Florida. And we're going to do the very first world's ever unique, you know, on, on that day, uh, feature and showcase our citizen legislation. Well, you've got these folks all around the country. They're doing events. Uh, Clay Clark is doing events, Reawaken America Tour, and all these other folks have events. Mike Lindell's running around the country, and all these people are doing all these things. And they're saying, well, we've got to take the country back, and we've got to solve the problems. Well, Mike Lindell actually does. He does have an election plan, but it's far too complicated. 
some of these other folks, they, they have plans, but they're far too complicated. You know, we solved the economy in four lines of a constitutional uh, change. You know, kind of basically saying that the Congress will not be able to borrow money. I mean, there's a solution to virtually every economic problem you could think of. Stop Congress borrowing money, because when you stop them borrowing, you stop inflation. When you stop inflation, you know, and you have actually cause deflation, then people's uh, then the value of the money grows, which means the value of savings grows, which means the purchasing power grows, which means the uh, the inflation rate drops. I mean, the the cost of goods goes down, and it actually in effect transfers the value of money from the government and the Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor a reserve, to we the people. Well, I mean, that's the solution. And all these guys are running around with all these economic things. Well, we've got a $32 trillion you know, national debt. We've got all this other stuff. And I'm finding out now that it's, a lot of it's credit card and other things that they've sort of counted in. So no one's even telling you the, the correct news. And so it's, it, this, this, this dilemma's going, the dilemma for me is that we've got solutions and nobody's listening to them, the, especially the people that should be. You would think. You would think that uh, those that are saying, you know, we have to take the country back and we have to do this and we have to do that, you know, would actually want solutions. Well, apparently they don't. They'd rather complain, go around and go to events, you know, and uh, make speeches and, uh, you know, drink espresso and, and mix with uh, their, their fellow complainers and, uh, and say, you know, we're, we're going to take the country back. Okay, well, we already know how to do that. We already solved that problem. We solved the vaccine problem. We solved the big tech censorship problem. We've solved, uh, you know, partial withholding we get rid of. We've solved a lot of judicial problems. We've solved a lot of jury instruction problems where the jurors are told of jury nullification. We've solved, you name it. The one that I still have to work on, and I know the person to do it with, um, because she mentioned it before, if it's one of our previous reporters, um, is that we need to get a, uh, an electric car tax bill with a $25,000 hazmat fee for the battery, um, plus take away the, uh, not only take away the uh, surplus, not, I mean the, the subsidy, but uh, put a tax on it because you're, you're, you're creating you know, unnecessary electricity. Oh, I, I, can write, I can write that down. Unnecessary electricity. So in other words, you're turning, instead of burning gasoline in a car like you're supposed to, you know, you're taking gasoline or you're taking hydrocarbons, putting it through a power plant to generate electricity. And every time you change the form of energy, it reduces it, you know, second law of thermodynamics, right? So it takes energy to create energy. And then, of course, you lose power in the power lines. You lose power in the battery. You lose power in the transmission. You lose power all the way through the process. So electric uh, cars actually lose power. So let's call, you know, generating, I like that line, generating. Oh, if I sound funny, let me know. Like I say, only my right earphone is, is working. And it sounds weird to me. So like, it's, it's kind of like dead on one side, echoing on the other side. It's, it's very strange right now. So if I don't sound normal, please tell me. I'm trying to talk normally. So generating, what do I call that? Unnecessary electricity. Unnecessary electricity. I could use that in the bill. Electricity. Anyway, that's one of many bills I want to have ready. Um, for uh, January 7th. Now, I think, I think they, they wanted to bring back January 7th thinking that uh, you know, I'd do a big, big deal on January 6th. No, we didn't. Well, I would have. I would have rented the Imogene January 6th, but we got a better deal on January 7th, you know, on Sunday. Uh, I guess they do a lot of weddings. And so what, people don't like to get married on Sunday because that's church day. So uh, I guess they get to go to church and confess whatever they did on the wedding night. But by then it's okay, it's legal. <laughs> I'm just vamping, don't mind me. I'm just, just turning the page of my book. So we're waiting for Brianna. And hopefully she'll be here any second now. A lot of times she, she gets tied up first thing in the morning. So let me see if she left me a message of any kind. Um, yeah, she's just going to be a bit late. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, so events that are happening, uh, we've got uh, supposedly there was some, you know, ceasefire neg- uh, negotiation going on between the Hamas murderous terrorists um, and uh, Israel. You know, of course, the idea is that Israel being the victim has to ceasefire immediately. How dare they? 
how dare they respond to, to the Hamas murderers that, uh, you know, killed, uh, you know, 1,200 plus of their people. And it's fascinating to me. And I asked this question on Facebook a bit before. I mean, I'll ask Brianna, too, about this. How come no nation has condemned Hamas, made them uh, – well, Brianna's right there, so let me ask her before I play her theme. And the question is, how come everybody's asking Israel, the victim, to cease fire, you know, but they're not asking Hamas to give up their weapons, uh, to turn over their, all their, their rocket-propelled grenades and missiles and rockets? You know, considering they're the aggressor, they're the criminals here. Generally, you, you know, when someone does a murder, you take away their gun or knife or, or weapon. So, so we need to disarm the murderers, that would be Hamas, and they need to pay reparations. And not a single country, not a single, you know, congressperson, uh, you would think one gelding old party Republican, just one Republican would stand up and say, we want reparations from Hamas. I mean, they've got billions. Uh, they're all sitting in Qatar. You know, the, the leaders are all living, you know, really high off the hog, as they say. Uh, I'm not sure how, which, how you do that exactly. I guess it's a better cut of meat. I don't know. How does one live high off the hog? Well, it's one of those expressions. It's like when people say the proof is in the pudding. And I'm like, why did you put proof in pudding? You know, the correct saying is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I mean, that actually makes sense, right? Anyway, so don't put proof in pudding. It's not going to be good for you. So I'll ask Brianna the question, why is no nation asking for uh, the weapons to be surrendered from Hamas or demanding the weapons to be surrendered and demanding reparations uh, for what they did to Israel? Let's find out. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. So what do you think? Do you find that interesting? I do. Yeah, well, I've had this question for about the length of this is why do so many people have this sentiment and why do so many people want to kill all the Jews and why is there you know all this anti-semitism and pro-terrorists going on right now like where do the all of these people get their information because I don't watch the mainstream news or anything so is it the mainstream news that's saying this I mean they've done a lot of stupid stuff but it's also crazy to believe that they've gotten to this point too um, That's a good I, question. I, mean, I honestly don't know why well, there's such try and a answer strong it. sentiment. Like, where does it come from in such a well, large group? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, this is one of those multifaceted. This is an excellent question because uh, I'm asking myself the same thing. I know some of the answer, but I don't know all the answer. Uh, the first, let's just deal with the colleges. The colleges are definitely left wing. Left wing socialists hate freedom. Uh, the country that represents freedom in the Middle East is Israel. So that that's one reason. So they want to kill all freedom. Similarly, they want to take it out here. Um, there's some fascinating news reports I've heard on, on Glenn Beck's show and other places where the Israelis are saying, we can handle this. We can handle Hamas. We can handle war because they live with war all the time. They say, what we're worried about is the United States because the United States is, is turning decidedly anti-Jewish. You know, I don't even like the word anti-Semitic because most people don't know what that means. But they're anti-Jewish. Uh, they're anti-Israel. And, and Israel represents what we represent, freedom, God, you know, independence, you know, rights, uh, all the stuff that we care about. 
so it, it's fascinating to me. But so, but the left wing is is decidedly, you know, as they are pro communist, pro group thing, pro dividing everybody up into racial, uh, religious, ethnic groups. That this is just a, this is their way of, of finding another group that they that uh, loves freedom that they hate. You know, it's like when I talk about uh, they they talk about white supremacy, but what they're, they're not. You know, yes, they're against white people just because that's the, the, the diversity, equity, inclusion thing. But what they're really against, and Dr. Peter Pry explained this, they're against the supremacy of our ideas. And our ideas are that the individual is, is supreme. The individual counts. The individual you know, has rights given by God, and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights prohibit government from touching them. That is what they find. That, when they say white supremacy, they mean that idea, that idea of freedom and God and family and country. That's what they can't stand. So the, the white, you know, the, the person, the color is a metaphor, but where they really can't stand is freedom. And we think that that is, that takes supremacy, individualism, you know, rights from God, things like that. And so that's a problem. Uh, I think these things, that's one phase. The second phase I think is these things, hope you're taking notes. I'm on a roll. Um, money. Uh, I believe that uh, Obama uh, is dedicated to trying to make this a Muslim Sharia law you know, Marxist supremacist nation. And so he's given billions to Iran. And well, Iran's giving billions to Hamas. Well, Hamas is, is, you know, killing Israelis with it. So there's money. Now, is money going to the colleges? What's going from the government? Uh, it's going from, uh, I'm sure it's going to the colleges from all kinds of sources. Um, China, I'm sure, is funding this as well because it destabilizes the United States. So you've got the ideology of, of white supremacy. You've got the money coming in. Uh, and this seems very organized. Uh, this is only recently this has happened because yeah. Israel's had wars since. And what, on that, with yeah. go ahead. Uh-huh. China money and education. Our uh, superintendent here in Oklahoma is actually doing a fantastic job at trying to raise that out. Yeah, I've heard some good things. Uh, feel free to elaborate. Tell me more. Yeah, so I don't know exactly everything they. They've canceled yet so far or taken out of it so far, but I know uh-huh. they have proposed initiatives to uh, get all the information about it and to end the funding. So, uh-huh. yeah, but yeah. I haven't had I'll a lot of time in the past week or so because of school. Well, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you're busy with Thanksgiving and and uh, I don't know if you have exams or, or whatever's coming up. But Thanksgiving's a jam up time. Then we got Christmas after that. Um, let's but uh, let's get back to what was I going to say? But the schools, the money, uh, this is definitely organized. Oh, the I was going to tell you, Obama's brought in uh, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands to millions of Muslims into this country for the sole purpose of of destabilizing and, and reducing us from a from a Judeo Christian you know independence individualistic ethic to a Muslim supremacy, hierarchical, top-down, Allah controls everything, and if you don't believe in Allah, we're going to kill you. Um, that's his philosophy. He's Muslim. You know, his father was Muslim. He's Muslim. You know, he went to Muslim schools in Indonesia. You know, and everything he's done to bring Muslims in the country, from Afghanis to Somalis, to any, who knows who else is brought in. This country, that, uh, there was reported, Gateway Pundit reported, that that big demonstration, in Washington, D.C., um, in, in favor of, uh, you know, the so-called Palestinians, or as I call them, you know, the Ottoman Turk refugees. Those are new people. And it, it was a Gateway Pundit reported, you know, this is Obama's new America. These are Obama's people that have come into this country that are protesting. So we've got people. So they've invaded us with people. They've invaded us with money. Uh, and uh, they've destroyed our education system, you know, with both of those things. Now let's get to the big one. Why hate the Jews? Um, this has been, this goes back, what, 2000 years? And this is where you'd probably be, uh, more knowledgeable than me, um, being more, uh, you know, with a greater knowledge of scripture than I have. Uh, but, but it seems, yeah, we'll it's almost further like, than that, but yeah. yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, tell me what you think. Yeah, I don't exactly know the start year, but, I mean, all the way back, yeah. As far as that, you can go to the Old Testament. Yeah. So in a weird way, is it somehow acceptable to be prejudiced against Jews or to wish Jews evil? In the same way that if you were in the Democrat Party South during segregation, you know, if you spoke up and said, oh, black people deserve equal rights, you wouldn't be very popular in, in certain places. Uh, it took a movement. It took mass civil disobedience. It took Martin Luther King and a whole lot of brave people to change that. Uh, but the Democrats have hung on to sla- they hung on to slavery up to causing the Civil War. <laughs> you know, they hung on to segregation you know, up until the Civil Rights Act. Democrats really are big on this, this, you know, um, this supremacy thing. And so it seems that the Democrats, the left, are, are carrying that in. And it, here's an interesting study for you. Is the Democrat Party treatment of black Americans much different than the treatment of Jewish Americans? And the, and the irony is that Jewish Americans are predominantly Democrat. <laughs> it's like it's suicidal. It's political suicide. So it's very strange. Yeah. But it's, and but it's you look also at the, a uh-huh. conundrum of it happening in the United States, too. And mm. especially with what they're supporting, because the people that they're supporting if they were to go over there and support them, they would probably be murdered. I mean, mm-hmm. just plainly in multiple countries over there. I mean, and some of the solutions that you'll hear them say to get rid of all the Jews um, instead of, you know, just kill them all. They'll say they can move them to a different country. Like one of them was like, you can move them all to Yemen. And, you move know, I'm not the, the most Gazans intelligent or, person or when it comes yeah. to this yeah. subject, uh-huh. but I do you know enough to know that's probably not a good idea for the Jews to go to Yemen? <laughs> oh, I, I, thought, I thought you were talking but, about the Gazans go to Yemen, but yeah, no. Why would the Jews go? Why would the Jews go anywhere? I mean, Israel is the home of the Jews. I mean, uh, you know, and people have argued that they weren't there first, or there are different. In fact, who's on the line? You know, always on the line, but he's, he's you know typing in live chat. Has a, if you go to the Action Radio group, has a whole argument about why Israel is not, you know, the homeland of, of the Jews, and I disagree. Um, but I think Muslims have homelands from Indonesia to, uh, you know, Turkey to, you know, Iran, you know, and all through the Middle East. Um, and so that we just have a different, so, you know, we have a different argument on that. But when you consider the entire world and, and the Jews have a homeland the size of New Jersey and the Muslims have 57 nations scattered across the world, it seems a little ridiculous to eliminate the one home that the Jews have. Uh, for the sake of, and, and the Muslims said, well, after the Jews, they're going after the Christians. Well, that means, you know, Europe and the United States. Yes. And or, uh-huh. Whenever you look at, like, the start of it, um, I, I guess you could start with, like, the covenant of Abraham. Because at that time, there wasn't a split between, like, um, Judaism, Christianity, or Islam. It was all kind of, everybody always shares the sentiment of Abraham, right? Because everybody has that same point of their religion. Uh-huh. And so at that time, it's not really distinguished by religion, but it is by the people. And the people were um, commonly known, well, not at that specific time, but throughout the Bible. And we often refer to the people the same way as Israel or Judah or the Jews. You know, uh-huh. we all, because they were, or the Hebrews, because they were called different names during different times in our history, we still all know that it's the same exact thing. It all referenced the same people, the same people group. Um, that God had made his covenant with. And I, I know people know the story of 
being promised this land, and there's this whole thing of, oh, no, the Arabs think that they deserve this land, that the promise was for them. Um, uh-huh. Because the Ishmael at that Isaac time, they both debate. had that thing. <laughs> Wendy explained the Ishmael-Isaac debate, yeah. and you should uh, join her sometime on that. I'll go back about a month or so ago. We, we covered that. But, yeah, that's never going to get settled because the Muslims are going to stick with Ishmael yeah. and the Jews are going to stick with Isaac. Uh, and that's just that's that's so so. How do we settle this, knowing that that debate's that debate's never going to get settled? But to me, the equitable solution—I well, shouldn't, I shouldn't say equitable; it's a bad word these days. But to me, the solution is very simple: Israel, the Jews get Israel, and the Arab world gets the entire Middle East, Indonesia, Turkey, Iran, you know, Persia, you know, all the other countries that are that are Muslim. What's the problem? Yes. And they're completely surrounded by everybody that hates them. They mm-hmm. have nowhere else to go, even if you mm-hmm. wanted to kick them out. And their entire country and everything in it, the history is all of Israel. Um, I'm oh, yeah. saying that like, well, as a nation term, not necessarily a state term, even though it is called Israel as a state term. Well, I heard a, I heard a gentleman uh, yesterday on the news. It was on One American News. It was a fascinating report. I think he's the head of the, uh, the the American Jewish something or other association. Anyway, he was saying that, that Palestine, you re- first of all, the people that were in Palestine in Roman times are not the same people that are, that, uh, are calling themselves Palestinian today. People that are calling themselves Palestinian today are Ottoman Turks. They came from the Ottoman Empire, which is basically Turkey, which was defeated in World War I by the British, the French. I don't think we were there necessarily, but anyway, mostly the British defeated the Ottoman Turks, uh, and then the refugees went everywhere. You know, and they went to uh, mostly Jordan, what became Jordan, and what became Egypt. Palestine, back in Roman times, uh, the Romans named it. The, the Arabs didn't name Palestine, the Romans named it. And the Romans named it because they didn't like the Jews. So they didn't call it Israel, they called it Palestine. And apparently there's no letter P uh, in Arabic. So the Arabs can't even say Palestine, <laughs> which is even funnier. So they're, they're claiming something that they can't even say, which, is, which makes the, the argument really absurd. And it just gets worse from there. But it just seems to me that uh, the simple, and I, I like simple solutions, Israel is Israel where it is today, plus Gaza, you know, which incorporates back to Israel, plus the West Bank, which incorporates back to Israel, plus the Golan Heights, so that, you know, the Syrians don't bomb them, you know, from the mountains. And that gets incorporated back to Israel. And that's Israel. Those are the borders. That's it. We're done. <laughs> you know, yeah, and then we end those borders. What happens here is you kind of listen to different people's opinions on this. You kind of look at the context, and then you look at history. And it's actually very interesting. And one of the points is that Israel has to wipe out Gaza, and not necessarily all the citizens in it and everything. But, of course, when you look at it, none of these other Arab nations that you know also have terrorists in them, but none of them are letting any of the people of Gaza come into their country because they How don't about want that? them. Because they think they're trouble, and you know, and, and now I'm going to say because you know, with all honesty, not everybody in the Gaza Strip, not everybody in Palestine, are bad. But I'm going to say probably like over 95 percent of them hate the Jews. I mean, even these innocent civilians. Um, and I know a lot of people have addressed this point, too, as well. So I might just mm-hmm. be repeating something. But they were all celebrating and supporting Hamas, killing all of these Jews. Was. There was a video that they put out of the news, and there was a man. And the, uh, I, don't, I don't know which news station it was because I don't watch the mainstream news. But there was a clip of a man, I guess, that they had used who was crying like as an innocent civilian who was in, I guess, Gaza and 
was facing all the turmoil of war and crying and everything of how horrible it was and how scared he was or something. I don't know. He wasn't speaking English, though. But then mm-hmm. there was another clip of before that when guys were shooting rockets into Israel and he was celebrating and supporting it. Mm-hmm. And it was like they yeah, didn't show the part too. where he was supporting it. I mean, just yeah. because they're <laughs> suffering the consequences of what they support does not mean they're good people. They probably wouldn't miss the chance to help Moss kill the Jews. They're supporting them along the entire way. They hate the Jews, too. I mean, they're not as innocent as people think. But, I mean, obviously, the obviously Israel isn't perfect either. It's got a lot of flaws. But when you're just looking at the context of this war, Israel is mm-hmm. the innocent party in this war. And it's kind of crazy that we have, we've flipped it. Like, the Jews are the ones that are genocidal for defending themselves. I mean, I just think it's, I just don't understand how you can get to that point. And, and, then, and then you take into play this whole thing of, like, ideological subversion. And it's like, this is proof that it is effective. If you can convince this amount of a society the complete opposite of what is true. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, that's the essence of propaganda. That's what happened with COVID. You know, millions of people were convinced that, uh, you know, that the vaccine is safe and effective. They were convinced it was a vaccine. And we said from the beginning, it's not a vaccine. It's, it's probably not going to be safe and effective because it, it won't be tested for 15 years, normal vaccines. Uh, you don't need it anyway because we have cures. This is all the stuff we were saying back in February and March of 2020. You know, and we had, the, we had the COVID figured out in about three hours. And I figured out most of it by simply looking up what kills viruses. So I need to cure. I need what, what you know, I said, well, you, there's no point in, uh, in, in trying to build up a vaccine. All a vaccine does is build up your immunity. Well, you, you better do that yourself pretty quick because it's already here. <laughs> okay. So the idea of waiting 15 years to create something that will solve a problem that's already here to me was irrational. And so I thought, well, we better do something else. And the something else something, was early treatments. Uh-huh. Yeah, something that I heard from somebody, and for me, I haven't really um, – done a lot of research into the biology, biochemical, whatever majiggers of the vaccine and COVID. But uh-huh. I've heard that if you, whether you got COVID itself as a virus or you uh-huh. took the COVID vaccine, although the COVID vaccine is a lot worse and you need it more if you got it, both of them with it, they say there's some kind of like snake venom or snake poison that they were using in this. And then if you catch COVID or take the vaccine, it goes into your blood or something. And then yeah, if you use yeah, nicotine that's... patches for about six days, it can mm-hmm. clear out all the toxins from your body from that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you said that? Proof of oh, do you know who, do you know who said <laughs> that? Because I know. No. He's my guest tomorrow. Dr. No, Brian I just heard it from uh, a group of people. Who? Okay, no, no. The person that, that uncovered the, the snake venom in, the, uh, in the, the COVID shot is Dr. Brian Artis. He's my guest tomorrow. And we're going to start the show a little bit later to accommodate him, so I'm going to have to reschedule Bill and Wendy. Uh, but he'll be on at 10 a.m. Central Time. Brian Artis is the one who did that. And if you look up his show uh, from last time, just go to uh, the top of, of our Action Radio broadcast page. Uh, and there's a little search window in the middle. Just put Action Radio, comma, Brian Artis. That's B-R-Y-A-N. Uh, you'll get his last show. And his last show was about six months ago, maybe. Anyway, he talked all about snake venom. So, yeah, uh, there's so much in there. Uh, but the, the COVID shot causes COVID. If you look at all the people that are getting COVID, even dying from COVID, they've all had the COVID shot. So not only does the COVID shot not prevent COVID, it actually gives it to you. You know, plus myocarditis and a lot yeah. of sudden deaths and everything else. Okay. So, but the thing was, it was never needed. Have you noticed that every single show that we do, I post this chart from the CDC that shows that COVID deaths ended July of 2020. I post it every single day. 
Every show has it. That chart is not available anywhere else. Nobody's picked up on it. That's why I keep announcing it. But it's right there. And I just put it there right every day. You know, it, it, it's staggering to me that I can post this chart that the CDC hates because they, they took it down. Can't find it anywhere. Because COVID ended in July of 2020. Everything after that is lies, manipulation, fear, reduced immune systems because of stress. Then they brought in the COVID shot, which really destroyed people's lives. Based on false information. Based on the information that COVID was still here when it had already gone. So it's like manufactured COVID. That's why they went to cases. Well, anybody can have a case of COVID. We all have. I got, a, I got a report that uh, Congress received a briefing back in March of 2020 that everybody's going to be exposed to COVID. Everybody's going to get it. Everybody's going to have to build up an immunity to it. It doesn't matter what you do. It's a virus. It spreads. Everybody gets every virus. Priyanka is famous for telling us, you know, there's like 3 million, you know, viruses per day that we have to deal with. <laughs> and our body does. And we deal with ridiculous amounts of viruses. You know, flu every year changes. Every year the flu bug is different. And there's probably multiple flu bugs that come back every year. The flu shot tries to cover whatever one they think is the most prevalent, but the flu shot's a total waste of time, and it's got the same problems. These jabs have aluminum. They have mercury. They have fetal baby cells. They have snake venom. You have no idea what's in them. That alone should tell you not to take it. And also the fact that they have no liability. Would you ever use a product where the manufacturer has absolutely no liability? You buy a car with no liability? (laughs) You know, would you yeah, would you ride an airliner where if Boeing was exempt from liability for their airplanes? I don't think so. <laughs> liability is what keeps companies in line. Anyway, let's get back to to juice for a second because I, I think there's something uh, when, when I talk about this being sort of a a trendy thing, it's acceptable. Everybody knows Hitler hated the Jews. I mean, with passion, you know, and so people who want to be supremacists in their own way. Well, let me ask you this: it's it's the left that hates. We know the left hates. You don't, see, you don't see conservatives running around, you know, saying this kind of stuff. In fact, conservatives and, and Christian conservatives in particular are the biggest boosters of Israel. And as much as we don't like the, the Muslim world's supremacy, we don't call for their death. You know, I just wish they'd back off a little bit and reform their religion. But, you know, I don't wish any harm. But the left does. The left, you know. But look at the New York Times. If you look at articles, they made, I mean, either I think Time Magazine made Hitler the Man of the Year in like 1938. He was very much supported uh, by the leftist press. New York Times, uh, I don't know about the Washington Post, but Time Magazine, Newsweek, they they greatly supported Hitler. Stalin was Man of the Year one year too. In fact, it'd be interesting. You want to do a little project? Find out which uh, which year Stalin and Hitler were, were Man of the Year in Time Magazine. They supported the, the left yeah. supports these people, and, and and it was popular, you know, to um, to condemn the Jews. There was a ship. Roosevelt turned it away. It was a ship full of Jewish refugees that was coming to the United States. Roosevelt sent it back to Germany, and they're all put in uh, extermination camps and killed. So Roosevelt doesn't have a great history when it comes to Jews either. Democrat, leftist. So you look at the left. And the real irony, here's the big question for you. Why is it that American Jews don't support Israel, the home of the Jews, and do support leftism, which is dedicated to killing the Jews? Figure that one out. That's my question, too. Like, How do you get your mindset to that point? Mm, it's like conditioning. People- that you're literally supporting the same people that advocate to murder you. 
and you think that that's a good thing. And then you see things with people asking them questions, you know, trying to get people to think. Because you see, you know, you'd see a lot of things of confronting, but now you see people asking questions. Because it's like people want these people that have just these kind of point of views, they want them to think. They want them to be able to evaluate it in a different way. Instead of, you know, just telling them things that they'll ignore, they want them to think about it. And so they're kind of trying to, like, change this kind of mindset. of, But it doesn't work because as soon as they get questions or they're confronted by something that doesn't line up, some of them, some of them, not very many, but some of them were like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. But a lot of them continue to disagree with that change of mindset. But most of them, they just shut it down. Like, there's no more conversation. There's no more thought. It's like, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to evaluate it. And so I think that plays a big part into it. And then there's that one, um, I should pull it up here a minute ago. Uh-huh. It's like from John like uh, John D. Rockefeller's Masonic Creed. But a lot of people say that they're not sure it was exactly John D. Rockefeller that said this because it was sent in anonymously. And then they pulled it from a site in, like, 2002 from hidden emails, I guess, that they had pulled it from. And so they're, like, they don't exactly know who sent it, like, verifiably, but they think it was John D. Rockefeller. And some people said, he referenced things that uh, didn't exist in his time. So it's like, well, maybe it was his son David Rockefeller that finished. So I don't know exactly now. But um, one of the things was, like, we will keep their lives short and their minds weak while pretending to do the opposite. And I think that statement really applies to what's going on right now. Well, let's and think about who wants to keep to lives say, short. Yeah, who wants? No, uh, this is this is a good point. Let's, this is, so Rockefeller, you know, built his money uh, on Standard Oil, and that was where he made his fortune. So Standard Oil. So he was the he was the industrialist. He was the you know, and, and Standard Oil controlled everything from the the drilling rig all the way to the gas pump. It was called vertical integration. And because it was so big and so powerful, it was the only gas company in the country. They could charge whatever they wanted. They made ridiculous profits because there was no. There was, you bought Standard Oil. And then it was broken up into seven companies, Chevron, Mobile, Exxon, Texaco, Sunoco, um, Chevron, and I forgot, maybe I said that twice. But whatever it was, it was broken up. And it was broken up because they were too powerful. Well, they probably all work together now. Still, we Gulf is <laughs> one, but we don't know. But the point was, but, but they, were, they absolutely monopolized it. So they wanted, the way they made money was that Americans drove cars. So if you shorten the life of Americans, you shorten the life that they drive cars, you don't sell as much gasoline. So why would you want that if you're John D. Rockefeller? Who wants shortened lives? Yeah. Who? How about how about a government person uh, that doesn't want to pay Social Security? Maybe they want shortened lives so they don't have to pay Social Security. They can keep the money for themselves. I would buy that. What do you think? Yeah. So it's always motivation. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, well, let me ask you the other question, too. Bill Gates, people say, well, Bill Gates, Gates wants, you know, mass genocide. He wants to kill, you know, billions of people. I'm like, well, who's going to uh, keep him rich then? If he reduces the population, he makes money based on controlling people. So the more people, the more control he has. If you're a power-mad, dictatorial, megalomaniac, you know, that uh, makes money off, off huge numbers of people, why would you want fewer people? I'm just curious. I think the main idea of it in regards to, like, shortening lifespans I think the main idea of is that they want a dependent population, but they want a dependent population that they can benefit from. And with the elderly population, they don't benefit. 
but with right. the younger population, they can. You know, um, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a term for it, like take advantage of them and for their work and their freedoms and their money and force them to do anything. But what is the word? There's like a term for it. But anyways, they are able to use the dependency of the younger generation in a way they can't technically do with the elder generation. I mean, they can. It's smarter. just not going to be as good. <laughs> yeah, we're but, smarter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they don't want to. They don't want a retired generation because retired people have both time and money. You know, and so retired people are, are one of the two greatest resources we have right now um, are college students and recent graduates before they get married and have kids, uh, and retired people. Those folks in the middle, raising kids, doing family, having families, working, building their careers, things like that. They're busy enough. They, they really don't have time to be politically active and more power to them because if they didn't do that, we wouldn't have any more people in the country. So that's not an issue. But the, the times when, when I was the most active um, was in college and afterwards uh, and, and now, <laughs> you know, because I got time. I don't have to work a full time job. This is my full time job. You know, and so it's a uh, it's a very interesting thing that they want to kill off the old folks. If, if you remember when Social Security uh, was created. The um, it started at sixty five was the retirement age. Um, that came from Otto von Bismarck, the German. All right, so this is eighteen hundreds German. He's the one that set the retirement age at sixty five. Now, do you know what the average life expectancy was in the United States when uh, Social Security retirement was sixty five? No, it's about fifty eight. <laughs> So what that means is they purposely set the retirement age above life expectancy so they wouldn't have to pay it out. That's why I don't think it was Rockefeller. <laughs> That's why I think it was the, is the government people. What are they doing now? Bringing, bringing millions of younger people who they think will pay into Social Security, but they're not going to. First of all, they're not staying. Um, yeah. So the left. The left breaks people into groups. You don't see conservatives talking about the Jews or the Muslims. We don't talk about that. We talk about individuals. You know, we, we uh, may not like uh, Louis Farrakhan, for example, but we don't say Louis Farrakhan, the black guy, <laughs> you know, or, or we don't, you know, whatever it is, or Joe Biden, you know, the white guy. Conservatives don't talk like that. So this is always, this is how you can always tell when the left is, is making up stuff because they talk about groups, you know, unite the right. Remember that from uh, Charlottesville? Unite the right. Well, the right never calls itself the right. Have you ever noticed that? We don't call ourselves the right. Conservatives, independents. I actually have first, not mega. heard of that before. Oh, okay. So if you look up Unite the Right, it was a leftist group. It was a leftist, you know, basically front group uh, that was sponsored by the left to make uh, conservatives look bad. Charlottesville is about the Robert E. Lee statue. And so when Trump said, you know, there are people on both sides of the issue who are good people, he didn't mean Nazis and white supremacists, you know, real white supremacists, you know, leftist white supremacists, you know, the, the, the real Nazis. He didn't mean those people. He meant people that disagreed on whether the statue of Robert E. Lee should stay or go. That's what he meant. And it was totally twisted around. And then there was this group called Unite the Right. You know, well, well, first of all, conservatives are fairly united. Um, but secondly, we never talk like that. <laughs> That's how I knew it was a fraud. You know, and it's, it's fascinating yeah. the, the, way, the way the left, and I wrote an article on all the different things like that. But yeah, Charlottesville is a fascinating case study in leftist propaganda that really didn't work. You don't hear it as much anymore. Anyway, um, do, you think it's, do you think people just go with the mob? And when the mob says, you know, we hate the Jews, we want to kill the Jews, that, the, that people go along with that. If you're on a college campus and, and Hamas is funding 
you know, Americans against Israel. Or just make up a front group name, right? You know, or patriotic Americans for Palestine. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just making stuff up, right? I bet you there are groups like that on campus, right? But if they're funding that, and, and you've got a majority, they've got a lot of money, and they've got uh, all kinds of posters and demonstrations and things on campus. You know, are you going to walk up as an individual person and say, you people are just idiots? I don't agree with anything you say. And then, of course, all the Muslims gather around, stare them down, and, and beat them, you know, and people can get killed on campus. It happened when one person got killed on campus. So how many, how many individual students are going to stand up to, you know, uh, patriotic Muslims for Hamas, <laughs> you know, for example? Mob mentality, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's very purposeful, too. And, you know, there's a lot of it in college but I think it is starting to come in at schools at other levels. And, of course, there's the whole thing of, like, the uh, books that are going on in the schools. But also, um, did you get the email that I sent of the uh, political organization that I got as an email from the school? I think so. But I think it's been a while. So let me let me look up your emails here. Yeah, I forgot what it was called. But they sent one of, like – uh, being active like politically and stuff and joining this organization and it was uh, purely like the different things that they would task you to do if you were to join this was like huh. advocate for gun control laws and such I remember that I'm looking, I, I don't see anything in your email from that uh, unless I'm, I'm looking up some of the emails here um let me see. Um, you've got okay, something. I think I've got it here. One Earth, One Family, One Future. Is that them? Or is that something different? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Turn Up Activism is a progressive nonprofit <clears throat> organization dedicated to making the world more fair, just, and equitable. They aim to empower <laughs> their intentions to become more civically engaged, responsible, and educated social justice advocates. And then they give you the information. And it says, greet, well, the first part of it is greeting, and then it says the school students. We are right. excited to highlight a remote internship opportunity focused on youth activism. And so mm-hmm. this one is kind of directed specifically at the students of the high school. Um, and so they tell you about uh, what they're wanting, which, of course, you know it's like every other one. Says summary: well, Interns develop their civic camp. literacy and, demo- <laughs> and democratic competency in a remote and collaborative setting by t- participating in civic actions, working on voter turnout projects, performing target outreach, engaged in advocacy and activism, finding and participating in remote volunteer opportunities together. They just repeat that. What on earth? Okay. No, well, anyway, that's what they do on the left. I all would call interns that are boot- expected. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It says all interns are expected to join and help with existing registration drives at their schools. And if oh. there isn't one at that school, we support their success in initiating and performing their own registration drives, permission granted from the schools. Most importantly, we work together for issues important to young uh, by voter suppression, boost voter turnout and stuff. And then let me see, where is um, the points that you have to do? I remember. I remember oh, this. I don't think it was on email. Uh, it was another source I, that you that we because I've seen. I've heard this before. Um, the audience hasn't, but uh, I have. So, but this is interesting. I, to me, this is this is communist boot camp. 
This is exactly what I call the, the young leaders conference of world of the World Economic Forum. That's communist boot camp too. This is government, you know, cooperative, fascistic, communistic, you know, party. It's like the politi- it's like politics mixing with government to create a you know communist boot camp out of our schools, which is pretty much what they are anyway. But go ahead, tell me more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read every bit of it, but I am reading some of the points. Sure. It says no, most of our interns have come in with or have subsequently developed interest in the following areas of study. Civics, criminal justice, government, international relations, law, political science, public health, public policy, social justice, social work, sociology, women and gender studies. It's funny. Well, wait a minute. Where, where's where where's is it? Where it study? Where, where, where's constitution study? Where's individual rights study? Where's uh, they're missing a couple little components, don't you think? Huh, I never would have guessed they'd miss that. <laughs> I love your sarcasm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is why and people don't see it because there's group think. There's group think and there's individual think. And those of us that uh, believe in the individual don't, you know, we see, we see this stuff. So we, now leftists don't see this. I don't even think they, they realize their own propaganda. They're so indoctrinated with it that they, they completely miss it. You know, if you talk about equity, well, we've got to be fair. We've got to be equitable. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's be fair and equitable. Okay, well, let's take your house and give it to somebody in Madagascar. Well, you can't do that. Wait, well, they don't have a house like yours. Why can't we give your house to Madagascar? Let's be equitable. And, the, of course, equity only makes sense if you're getting something from somebody else, right? But if someone's taking something from you, that's not equitable. That's thievery. So, so it, it's fascinating how, how this works. Something happened yesterday. Yeah, have you heard of, mm-hmm. have you heard no, of Yakov Smirnov? Of course. Yeah. Yakov Smirnov, the Russian comedian. He gets that. Let, me tell you, let me tell you Yakov Smirnov routine, okay? Because I used to listen to Yakov Smirnov. He, he talked about the... In the Russia, okay, he talks about the Russia compared to the United States. He talks about uh, all-you-can-eat festivals. Yeah, United States, you go to all-you-can-eat, and they give you all-you-can-eat, right? You go to Russia. You go to a Russian restaurant back, in, back in, in communist times. He said they give you bread and water and say, that is all you can eat. That's Yakov Smirnov. Huh. Yeah, he has a lot of jokes, and one of them is kind of what you're talking about. He says, mm-hmm. there's two communists, and one communist was asking the other one, if you had two houses, would you give me one? And the communist was like, yeah, of course I would give you one, comrade, or whatever. I'm not saying this exactly, but you get the point. And uh-huh. It was like, I don't remember what the other thing was. It was like two cars or something. I don't remember. It was like, if you uh-huh. had two of those, would you give one to me? It's like, yeah, of course I would. And it's like, if you had two chickens, would you give one to me? And they were like, no. And they're like, well, why not if you would give me the others? And he says, because I have two chickens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, funny. it's like, no, ideally, share everything with you, but they're not going to share what they actually have because in because in, the things we're referencing, like in Soviet Russia, you don't really have anything. You're just fending for yourself and your own survival at that point. But everybody's <laughs> equal, right? Equally, equally deprived, equally miserable. So, you, so you're going to start doing comedy yeah. now? This is great. We got we got to get more uh, more Yakov Smirnov over here. So let me give you a round of applause for that. That was pretty funny. Brianna Cannon, stand-up comedian for Action Radio. <laughs> yeah, you should uh, definitely yeah, bring, bring Yakov Smirnov jokes because he used to make fun. Uh, now, he was doing this when Russia was still the Soviet Union. So I think it was before the, the breakup under, under Gorbachev. And so that was, that was huge. 
you know, the change in the Soviet Union, which became the, the Russian Federation. But I don't know how much it's actually changed. That'd be a fascinating report. Anyway, something happened yesterday that uh, I'd love you to look into if you have a chance. I want to look into it as well. Um, Dorothy Diana was talking about this is the, the sex and sensuality report. How we got onto this, I don't know. I think it was on education and indoctrination because we get sidetracked, as I get everybody sidetracked just being on the show. And she told me about this NASA study, and they were talking about measuring genius. And they wanted to create, you know, smart kids in schools so could be geniuses and work for NASA, and they could advance in science, technology, and all this kind of stuff. And what she was saying was that the NASA did a study, and they found that five-year-olds, five-year-olds, about 90% of five-year-olds are at the genius level. They can problem-solve. They're creative. They think independently. Uh, they can do all kinds of things that you would that come under the criteria of genius. Well, then they measured up through uh, school all the way to 18-year-olds. And by the time they got to be 18 and through the, uh, the, the government school system, only 2% of them were geniuses. So they took 88% of the kids that were geniuses and made them idiots. So only 2%, the rebels, you know, you, me, <laughs> you know, a few other folks that got through school uh, and, did, and didn't completely lose it. You know, that, uh, rebels, uh, rebels is a survival strategy. It really is. I rebelled against, you know, my parents. I rebelled against my school. I rebelled against the government. <laughs> I've just been a rebel my whole life, you know, but, uh, but nothing illegal. I just, you know, I just uh, stand, just, I'm, I'm, you know, free speech. But don't you find that fascinating that NASA, and I want to find that study. Um, listen to the show yesterday. You know, not, not the, well, anyway, part of it. Listen to that part. But anyway, because <laughs> Dorothy and I get kind of, uh, how can I put this, blunt, uh, direct. Anyway, but uh, that study. Uh, maybe you can look it up right now while we've, we've got a minute here. NASA study on, on uh, you know, on, on genius, you know, from 5 to 18. But don't you find that fascinating? And they, they conclude the same thing we concluded, that public school turns geniuses into idiots. It's not an education system. It's a de-education system. So Dorothy's thing yeah, about I mean, it's education. Like... Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's like that point, then. Um... Might keep their lives short, minds weak, while pretending to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So let's put NASA study. I'm going to look it up too. Let's see if we can find it. This would be a good time to take a look. NASA study on on. I don't even know how to phrase it because she didn't have the exact title of the study on creating on on measuring genius. Five years old on uh, measure. Let's see if this works. Measuring genius level intelligence. Yeah. Five years to 18 years. Let's see what comes up. Oh, here we go. People's Voice TV. This is easy to find. (laughs) This would be a great study for you. This is NASA study. Kids are born creative geniuses, then schools destroy imagination. How long did that take to find? April 28, 2018. And the website is The People's Voice. Well, it sounds very latest. Landmark study commissioned by NASA shows how most children are born brilliant creative geniuses, but then lose their talents over time in the educational system. Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman were asked by NASA to help the space agency identify and develop talent, specifically within schools. This is exactly what Dorothy was saying yesterday. This is the researchers discovered that American school children lose their natural born ability to think creatively the more time they spend within the school system. That is fascinating. The free, the free thought project. And I, I, post their stuff all the time, even though a lot of times I disagree with them. They're very leftist, but they're very interesting, right? The Free Thought Project reports, as students enter their educational journey, they retain most of their abilities to think creatively. In other words, this is a natural ability. So we're born naturally creative, 
Uh, this is why I say five years old is, is the turning point. The minute you enter school, you become conditioned. So your original self is who you were at five. So if you want to discover what you're supposed to do in life, go back to when you were five. Because that's when you're your most creative. That's when you're your most intelligent, your, your greatest genius level, until you're destroyed by school, society, culture, and everything else. Then they say, that's me. Then the article says, in other words, children are born with creative genius, employing a longitudinal study model. Land and Jarman studied 1,600 kids aged 5, 10, and 15. Surprisingly, Land said they discovered if a given problem with which they had come, to come up with uh, an imaginative and innovative solution, 98% of five-year-olds tested at the genius level. 98%, it's not 90%, it's 98%. 98% of five-year-olds tested the genius level. Simply put, their answers to how the problem should be solved were brilliant. And we should get more five-year-olds. Do you have any five-year-olds we can put on the show? <laughs> so the intelligent five-year-olds? Yeah, well, they seem to be smarter than the, than the, the, the PhDs. Let's put the five-year-olds on. I'm open. <laughs> Isn't this great? You, you want to hear more? There's actually just this one thing. Uh-huh. And I don't exactly know what it is. But I guess it went viral or something, and I saw right. it. And there was something where it was, like, people in, like, a weirdly white room. Like, it was really kind of odd. Like, I don't know. But they had people, and they were, like, lining them up based on, like, their mm -hmm. IQ, I guess. And they were having uh -huh. the people talk amongst themselves and, like, order them of who they think had the highest IQ and the lowest IQ. Hmm. ordered them in this one area and at the end when they actually revealed the results of who had the highest or the lowest the one that had the PhD and this and that and was in all this smart like biology things working at this the high place or whatever had like the lowest IQ and then you have this just high school ordinary graduate who was like in the military and he had like uh, and he I guess was originally put at the end by the PhD girl and then he had beaten her by multiple people or something. I think he was like close to the top. I don't remember which place he was in. But it was kind of like showing the difference of intelligence of just because you go to like a university or a college, you can actually get dumber. Yeah. Well, that's the cult of the expert. This is when we had our liberal caller on. She says, well, you're not a doctor. You know, you can't speak about medical issues. Says, of course I can't. <laughs> I've got a brain. I can read. I can read the studies they can read. And besides, who says your doctor is all that accurate anyway? You know, if, if doctors were better than, than regular people, then you wouldn't need malpractice because they'd all be geniuses. They'd all be doing great work. But the fact that doctors are the leading cause of death in this country, other than natural causes, doctors are number three behind uh, heart disease and cancer. So if doctors are behind number th uh, the, the third leading cause of death in this country and their job is to keep people healthy, how can you say they're experts at all? Well, of course, there's no argument to that. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you go from there, right? Um, let me give you my theory, too. I, I have a theory of, of military intelligence. I'd love to get Colonel Doug McGregor back on the show because he is a genius. Uh, this is the guy that fought the tank battle, um, 91 Easting or something like that. He was the first Gulf War in 1990. Hopefully he'll be the Secretary of Defense. He's the one that says the Iraq War never should have been fought. We've killed the, they've killed half a million people for nothing, and it's all on uh, Biden's head. Um, but I have a theory of military uh, leadership, and, and Colonel McGregor proves it because he should be General McGregor. So my theory is that uh, – now, does the military work on creativity, or does it work on following orders? That's a question. Yeah. It Obviously, it's a leading question well, leading you to an answer. Go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. What you're saying actually made something pop into my mind. Entering the Iraq War, I started reading this book, and then I returned it to the library because I was going to be late. So <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> Little logistical problems, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I read, it was starting to talk about um, a man named Paul Wolfowitz and, like, one other that was kind of part of this um, – charge of the Iraq war. I think everybody knows by now that it, that it was, um, what's the thing? Oh, criminal, uh, false lied to see propaganda to, to going into the Iraq war. Oh yeah. yeah. Stop propaganda. Yep. And then I was reading this one thing and it was, um, people like Wolfowitz and Cheney and another and another who mm-hmm. were the pushing for involvement into Iraq and the Iraq war. And they were actually part of this kind of, um, what a lot of people refer to as a global cabal, you know, Committee of 300, Bilderberg, so those kind of uh, global mm-hmm. Or neocons. Things. They're also called and, neocons. Neo, in other words, new conservatives. Yeah. They really, they're, they're neither new nor conservative. They're warmongers. Yeah. And so that they were kind of part of the influence to go mm-hmm. into the Iraq War. It was also, it was well, hold on Iraq for a second. Uh, before you before you change subjects, I'll tell you something about the Iraq War. Uh, the big thing was weapons of mass destruction. Okay. George Bush, master propagandist, leftist, you know, globalist, World Economic Forum, Bilderberger, Illuminati, the whole thing. And the Bush family is is part of the the world order. Uh, in fact, uh, George Bush, the elder, even called for a new world order. Idiot. You're not supposed to say that out loud. Fool. Anyway. Um, the big story in the Gulf War was, uh, was weapons of mass destruction. That was under George Bush the Younger. Um, but they also had this thing of, of incubators. They said that uh, they, they actually they had a, a paid uh, uh, Iraqi woman diplomat daughter or, or someone. It was a young woman, very attractive, who got before Congress and said, well, you, have to stop the, 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 you have to stop Saddam Hussein. He's, he's taking babies out of incubators and dropping them on the floor. I mean, really horrible stuff, right? And none of it was true. So it's totally why. You can watch the videos. So uh, and so, so it's pure, pure propaganda. So you put the young, attractive woman in front of the old guys in Congress, right? So they're watching and listening. And then she says, oh, no, you know, because you do a woman because it's a, it's, a, it's a motherly instinct thing, right? And she talks about babies being yanked out of incubators. It never happened. Well, it might have happened. But I mean, it wasn't the widespread uh, that they were talking about. And, that, and that, that was the justification. We have to stop, you know, Saddam Hussein. He's so cruel. He's killing babies by taking them out of incubators. You know, says, <laughs> says the people that are pro-abortion, right? Um, but it was fascinating. It was pure propaganda. Same thing with weapons of mass destruction, which they never found. So we went to war based on a lie and lost. Yeah, what? and for me, how many soldiers? There you know. may, there may very well have been weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. But let's be honest, the government, literally the people in them that was planning this, were like, "Now we don't know nothing about Al Qaeda. We don't know nothing about what's going on, really. But yeah, mm-hmm. we think this war's a good idea. We need to be in it." And yeah, you know, when I was reading those statements, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" And oh no, no, they're they're anyways, they're in it because it's money. And, war is a business. Just think of war yeah, as a business, exactly. just like so big the pharma. Point, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the WMDs. Those are just the use of deception point and propaganda, just like you were saying, in order to go into this war to make money to I don't know get control of the oil reserves. Who who knows they didn't, all though. the purpose they, of they going? They, in, that was Trump's sure. thing. They didn't get control of the oil. They left the oil there. In fact, uh, Hussein was, was blowing yeah. up oil wells. There are, there are videos you can see. As far as the eye can see, all these oil wells on fire. What a tremendous waste of oil. You don't want the Americans to get it. You know, I mean, we should have, Trump said, look, we should yeah, have, if so, we're going to go to war there, at least seize the oil fields and keep the oil. And he was absolutely right. 
Yeah, so, I mean, there's, we don't exactly know the exact reason to why it was, but we know it wasn't the WMDs, because, and it doesn't mean that they're not there, so it just means the that the gov- our government probably just did not care. I mean, that, they gave them enough warning to move them, that's for sure, and everybody mm-hmm. knows that now, that they had enough warning to get them across the world. So, I mean, I, I don't know, I yeah, don't really know the exact well, one, but I know that let me, uh, you're right let me ask about you, but, propaganda part of it. Yeah, let me ask you a quick question because it seems to me there's a formula. And we're going to get Josie here in a minute. But the formula is um, start a war in a country that can't possibly defeat us or hurt us, all right? Vietnam, Korea, <laughs> Iraq, <laughs> Afghanistan, Ukraine. Start a war in a place that can't affect us, you know, badly. Um, keep the war going for at least 20 years. Um, sacrifice soldiers to gain sympathy because they don't care how many lives are lost. So the soldiers are just like... Uh, are just like coal in a furnace. You know, they're expendable. And so the soldiers are, are just part of the business. They're just a material cost to these people. That's how sick they are, these warmongers. But it seems to be the formula. And then, you know, the government borrows, you know, trillions of dollars, fights the war for decades, uh, and everybody makes money. The Congress makes money. You know, they keep their jobs. You know, the military contracts in the district makes money. You know, the Fed makes money. The banks make money. Everybody makes money uh, except the people, the soldiers that are killed. And so it's a business, but that's the formula. Declare a war in a place that will not adversely affect the United States, keep it going for 20 years, and spend uh, as much money as possible and have that money come back to the military, industrial, banking, Federal Reserve complex. That's the formula. Yeah, um, what is it, like the monetary something or whatever? I don't know. My brain hmm. had to track what you're saying, but I don't remember. <laughs> so I can now. say it again. I found the study for. I'll, I'll post it to your uh, your uh, Facebook or so, and I'll post it on Facebook. Uh, I'll do it on the homeschool page. So we have uh, this new stuff too. Mises Institute has some wonderful uh, things on uh, progressivism. And so if you go to my Action Radio homeschool page, click on the Mises Progressivism. They've got two episodes already. They're going to put more on. Uh, the first one is The Danger of Progressives, and the second is The Factory School System. I think you'll find both of those really interesting. Action Radio homeschool page. Uh, we've got Josie here. So I'm going to have to uh, let you go here, and let's get to uh, final comment sign-off, and then I'll get to Josie, and then uh, we'll talk next week. All right, yeah, um... So maybe next time we can go over the idea of the secret covenant, but it's probably going to take a while to get through because there's a lot of points there. But I think you'll definitely find it interesting. Uh, I find everything you do interesting. Are you kidding? I love having you on the show. You're one of my my favorite people. I love our report. I look forward to this every week. So when you're late, I'm like, we're missing time. This is no good. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I don't always have control over my own schedule, but I try to. That's okay. I don't right. have much control over anything. I just, yeah. you know, improvise like my way through life. <laughs> it's working so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. Thanks, Brianna. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, 
Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Javier Malay, congratulations. Buenos dias, chica. Buenos dias. How exciting it is. Oh, I'm so excited about Argentina. You know, I'm thrilled. Well, I'm calling it mega. It's mega country. Make Argentina great again. <laughs> yes, it will be. Oh, yes, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. So yes. I have to ask, I have to ask, because they stole the election from Trump. They stole the election from Baldessaro in, uh, in Brazil. They stole the election from and Marine also, Le Pen in Columbia. France. And Colombia. I don't, I don't know about Colombia, so you have, to, you have to tell me about that. How did this Chile, guy get elected Chile. in Argentina? What happened? This is great. I don't know. I don't know how they did it, but um, they were not going to allow for them to steal it with the machines and all that. So the whole country is in a, a huge celebration. Uh, he's going to get rid of immediately their, their money that they have, uh, uh, and they're going to change it to the dollar bill. So, yeah, so that's yeah, what dollarization means. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what that, yeah. um, what that meant. Um, because, uh, you know, yeah. I got an article from the Buenos Aires Herald. Okay, Buenos Aires is the first capital of, of, of yeah. Argentina, right? Okay, so, so Buenos yeah. Aires is the yeah. capital. Uh, it's got, uh, let me see if I can pull this up here. Buenos Aires Herald, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go over this in the next hour. I don't want to take your time for that. But the article, November 19th, so two days ago, all right, Buenos Aires Herald says yeah. Argentina 2020, 2023 elections. Millet, you pronounce it right? Millet? Millet. M-I-L-E-I. Shocks with landslide presidential win. What do you mean shocks? Oh, then it says the far right libertarian economist who cloned his dead dog will be the next president of Argentina. That's the headline in the Buenos Aires Herald. They yes. hate him. Is that like the Washington Post or the New York Times of, of Argentina? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what, yep. that's what it, it sounds like. All right. So, I got, so do you have any press from Argentina? Do you have any, uh, especially Spanish press? <clears throat> Did you find I have a lot of friends. Uh, they've been calling me and uh, just super excited. Oh, my gosh. They wow. were praying and hoping. Yes. It's a big celebration, <laughs> including some of my friends from Colombia. They're so mm-hmm. excited about it, uh, even there in Colombia, you know, because uh, this is a good start. Uh, they didn't allow these criminal uh, communists left to continue the corruption. And uh, in, in a way, this guy does not like the Pope. In one of the interviews, says, yeah, if I have to apologize to the Pope, I'll do it. Because, of course, he wanted to get elected, you know. But right. he cannot stand the Pope because the Pope is a criminal. So mm-hmm. according to uh, a lot of us, like him and me, that mm-hmm. I know a lot of stuff about it. So he's a, he's a left. The Pope is a left. The Pope is – there's a doctor that used to stand in front of the abortion clinic. Uh, the family are – so disappointed with the Pope. I said, well, well, look at your friends that you have, uh, 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 Catherine, and, you know, uh, they don't like the Pope. <laughs> but they don't have know, to. The Pope's just a dude. You know, he's not, he's not Jesus. Yeah, he's just a dude. Corruption. You know, he's elected by other yeah. dudes who are old, <laughs> you know, elected by cardinals. You know, my, my favorite cardinal yeah. is the one in uh, the Philippines, Cardinal Sin. That's actually his name, Cardinal Sin. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's just too yeah. funny. <laughs> the way everyone, but uh, but the, now Argentina is. Do you know how? What percentage of Argentinians are Catholic? I'm going to guess seventy, eighty percent. 
but I don't know. Uh, quite a bit, yes, yes. Okay, so it's a majority Catholic population. And, uh, All right. Uh huh. Yes. So they're saying they're in the street celebrating, saying say goodbye to the left party in Argentina, and I believe he takes office on the tenth of this of December. He'll be yep, sworn yep. in. You know. That's what I heard too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's but this it's is a while. This is so good. Now, does Argentina have voting machines, or did they get rid of them? Do you know that? By chance, I'm curious. I'm not sure. Probably they did not use them because if not, they would have cheated. Well, yeah. that's what I'm wondering. And you know, because Greg, I know they cheated. Go ahead. Go ahead, tell me. The whole country. Uh, I remember when I was in Argentina in 1974, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful country, beautiful country, and a little bit at a time it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, with the left, you know, they they never declared that they were communists, but it was almost like communist. Because when you have to use a barrel to go and get a couple loaf of bread, just like Venezuela, it's the same thing. It's communist. Yeah, barrel of money. That's the inflation. That's what communists. Yeah, yeah, they destroy the economies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they destroy the economy. They destroy the money, so nobody has any money. So then everybody's dependent on government because the money's worthless, right? Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And 50% of Argentina was poor. We yeah. didn't see that in 1974 at all. No. I don't remember seeing that at all. And I was there for weeks. You know, I used to live in Chile during Allende's communist regime. Right. And Argentina was a beautiful, beautiful country. And everybody had money. And even, of course, there's poor people everywhere. But 50% of the country being poor, that's no good. That's not good at all. So anyway, well, it's not. He, it's not he, rational. It's not normal. Clean up the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's. I just looking at a map of Argentina. Argentina has a big coastline. Uh, I don't know what other yeah. cities other than Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, I guess, is the biggest city. I'm guessing 10 million people. I mean, I'm sure it's a huge city, big place. I don't know how many people, to be honest with you. Where's yeah, but Rio I, Rio de Janeiro? That's Brazil. Uh, what else is that's Buenos Aires? Uh, let me get my. And my they, let me get my boy, my Argentina. They have my a lot of beef right in Argentina. Here. They have a lot of what now? They're, they're very popular for their beef. Beautiful uh, cows. They got, a, they got a Santa they Cruz. Serve, Santa Cruz. They serve the best beef you could ever eat in Argentina. Yeah. Well, the cowboy. Oh, Tierra del Fuego. That name sounds familiar, too. That's Tierra del Fuego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, so I don't know South America at all. I've never been to South America. I want to go. It's beautiful. Yeah. But I need to translate, so, so you got to come travel, with me. <laughs> yeah, we travel, we travel driving from Chile, uh, Santiago, uh-huh. well, from Antofagasta, travel all the way to Santiago, all the way to the tip of uh, uh, Chile, and then cross over Osorno to Argentina, uh-huh. and uh, spend a Christmas in Argentina, a small little town. It's kind of yeah. cute how they celebrate their Christmas. The best chocolate is in uh, Bariloche. You know, oh, so it's, okay. the, the Pentagon used to bring a lot of that chocolate in their little store. And oh, I was in heaven. I was like, oh, my God, I love that chocolate. Yeah, I'm sure the but generals have a talk Yeah, go ahead. What were yeah. you talking about? I wanted to talk this, this morning about our government, how corrupt it is. I did send you the video for you to kind of see it. I don't know if you did or not. Oh, uh, the, ch- the child trafficking, it is out of control. Uh, the X report, uh, X22 report uh, with Dave, I was watching it. Um, and there was a, a lady, Mary and Tara. Mary 
No, Tara, it's the uh, whistleblower that she was working for the government, and she did not know what was going on with the child trafficking in our country. And I knew this a long time ago because we know. We know what's going on. Uh, so the child trafficking at the border is bigger than you can imagine. Period. Mm-hmm. It's just out of control. So this lady, Mary O'Neill and Tara, there will be an interview. I'm surprised they're not dead yet because the big cartels are probably going to come and say bye-bye to them. So in 2020, more than 600 children were missing from our from our uh, uh, country here, from our government, foster system. I couldn't think of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary was saying that eight years ago, Americans don't have to travel outside the country to rape little kids because our government is bringing them in here. And they're using the children with sponsors, with all different types of, uh, you know, the sheriffs are involved, the judges are involved, lawyers are involved. This is big business, this child trafficking. I mean, and I remember you were saying last week, you were saying a lot of people are going back and all that. I believe a lot of the child, uh, that they're escaping, mm-hmm. that they're running away from their traffickers. I believe a lot of those children are begging to go back. And she was talking about that. Uh, oh, yeah. So I mean, what, you know, if your life is miserable, yeah. but you're not yeah, being raped and trafficked. Yeah, that would be, I'd rather have a miserable life than uh, be a, a trafficking victim. Absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll see what yeah. I can do about fixing my miserable life. Yeah. No, those, I've got another report on that, too. And this is uh, Victor Avila, who I'm trying to get on the show. He's running for Congress in Texas. Uh-huh. And he was, he oh, really? was uh, he's former Border Patrol. He's been shot. Yeah, that guy's really interesting. Um, and so, but what he was talking about is <laughs> that, yes, a lot of people are going back because a lot of these homeless folks, and I guess he was actually talking to some homeless folks in Texas from other countries. What are you doing here? You're homeless. You know, uh-huh. I said, why, why did you come to this country? You know, to be homeless. Mm-hmm. Apparently, what what uh, what uh, Brandon Obama is saying to the world, so the the the, the Obama administ- the current Obama administration is saying, and and you can confirm this and, or do some investigating and let me know for sure. But apparently, the the propaganda is is it's beyond just come to the United States. It's come to the United States and get rich. So they're promising mm-hmm. all these illegals that if they come here, they're all going to get rich, which means they're going to be taking our money. You know, those is the work hard and you know do what we do and mm-hmm. pay taxes and all that. And so that's that's the propaganda. And what they're finding out is that they're not getting rich. They're homeless. You know, that Americans yeah. actually have to get a job and do stuff. And there's only so much welfare that actually illegals aren't supposed to get any welfare. In fact, uh, not even uh, permanent residents are supposed to get welfare. Because if you go on welfare while you're still a permanent resident, then we just send you back. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. there, so there are a lot of folks that have come here under the assumption they're going to get rich. And the people that want to come here just to get rich, yeah. I don't want them. If they want to work yeah. hard and come here legally, that's not a problem. But they're coming here to get handout money. They're coming here yeah. so the government will make them rich at our expense. And I don't want people like that. So the, so, so the government is promising something that they can't promise. And these folks are yeah. finding out that they're not getting rich, that all those promises they made, you know, they're being used. I think this, this, is, this is something that would be worth an investigation. Are these folks finding out which, what I believe is that they're being used? They're being used by Brandon Obama. Uh, to come in the country either as cheap labor, as votes, as extra taxes for Social Security or the national debt, whatever is being used. They're not getting rich. Yeah. They're never intended to get rich. They're intended to make everybody else poor. 
and to water down those of us of the Judeo-Christian ethic of God, family, and country, you know, where where individualism and individual rights is supreme over groupthink and government. And so Mm -hmm. that's what they're trying to do. So, but they're finding out that, uh, that there's a big lie. And the big lie is, you know, you know, the government can't make you rich unless they take money from Americans. Americans aren't, uh, we're, we're getting, finally standing up and saying, no, you can't take all our money and give it to a bunch of illegals. We don't want that. That's not compassion. That's stupidity. And, you know, and, you know, the mm-hmm. ladies were talking about, uh, you, the, some of them that work for the government, they're not allowed to ask how many children that sponsor is taking in. Because they're trafficking, you know. Some of the right. children, they were told, they say, some of the children were told that they were going to make $6 an hour instead of just making a dollar or $2 in their country. And, and they're going to give them everything, plus and go back with a lot of money once they work. But they're treating these children like slaves, adrenochrome, child trafficking, sex 10 times a day or more, or organ. Uh, they kill them. They never go yeah. back. But... I think these ladies are a little bit innocent uh, in, the, in the, their mind, but I know better. A lot of these children are not coming on their own. A lot of these killings are being kidnapped from Honduras, El Salvador, more than any other country, Haiti. Uh, they're being kidnapped and bring by force. These kids are not coming alone. I mean, some of them, yes, they because are coming with their moms. Kids don't travel alone. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, so I mean, I'll, maybe, yeah. So our country, what they've been doing, uh, mm-hmm. this corrupt Obama and Biden uh, government in the last few years, they take the children away and they send the family back to, to Mexico. So yeah. they take the children. I seen a video that these children, they were screaming and crying, and the, the officer is trying to take the two kids away and send mommy back. And she's like falling apart, this woman, because she has, she'd rather go back than being uh, her children being torn away from her arm. And it was very sad watching that video. But these ladies were saying in Jacksonville, there's a hotline, and a lot of young kids are escaping, calling for help, and they want to go back, like I was saying a few minutes ago. And yeah. they'd rather be home. And the HHS, which is uh, help. Human Services, you know, uh-huh. it's a 2.7 trillion plus trillion uh, agency because our government is funding them, and this is this is our tax dollar. This uh-huh. agency is so rich, just like the Catholic charity and a, a few other churches that are involved in this human trafficking. That's exactly what they're doing. So, 22 percent of the entire USA budget. Every dollar that you send, you know, paying taxes, tax dollar goes right. to them. And it is it is sad that we don't know that that we are trafficking kids with our tax money, and we haven't stopped this. So some of these whistleblowers are coming forward, but you know what? They're probably going to kill them. They're going to say bye bye. You're not allowed to be saying that. So. And the CPS, uh, Child Protective Service here in our country, it's a huge ring of child trafficking. It's been going on for years, right? And I believe, uh, and, you know, I remember my ex-husband telling me a lot of stuff about this, but I was younger. I didn't care about it. 
uh, <laughs> he used to talk a lot about this. Before he became I believe, conservative woke. <laughs> yeah, because he was a true Democrat, radical left, oh, hating God and everything, trying to brainwash me to hate God, but God did the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this... Uh, this guy, he was always in about all these government things, and all. I didn't pay much attention. I didn't care about it. I was younger. Uh, mm-hmm. But our government, I believe, murdered JFK and Martin Luther King because they didn't want involved in this child trafficking. And one of that's, no, it's more than I trafficking. believe that's one of the uh, I, that's that's part of it. I don't think that's they wanted to eliminate them. Yeah, but that wasn't the only mm-hmm. reason, though. You look at look at let's let's take the three that were assassinated in, in the '60s: Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, and John Kennedy. Okay, so John Kennedy mm-hmm. um, didn't want to invade Cuba, didn't want to escalate the Vietnam War, wanted to break the military-industrial complex. Johnson wanted and child trafficking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I th- see. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's. A, I mean, it, it's a huge. I'm not trying to diminish the problem of child trafficking. It, it's a massive problem, and it's horrible. It's one of the greatest crimes in, 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 in humanity or against humanity. All right. Yeah. But it's been going I don't think that's the main years. I don't think that's yeah. the main reason uh stopping no, I child think trafficking. That's the main reason. Okay. I, I guess I should have corrected myself. That's that's part of one of the reasons. Uh might be, I've never I've never heard that before, so that would be interesting. But look at look at Kennedy, who didn't want to invade Cuba, didn't want to uh to, to use nuclear weapons in Vietnam or whatever else they wanted. In other words, the neocons, the like the John Boltons, the Nikki Haley's, mm-hmm. you know, the Lindsey Graham's, all the people that want war constantly. That's all they want. They want war because mm-hmm. they make money off it. Right? Yeah. So come the neocons. So so the war yeah, class. Yeah. We should call them the war class. So, so the war class in Washington, the ones that got us into Korea, that got us into Vietnam, that got us into Iraq, that got us into Afghanistan, Ukraine, and are trying to start a war uh, between Israel and Hamas that we can get into. That's why we have two carrier. Actually, trying to start a war with Iran. That's why we have two, you know, nuclear weapon yeah. carrying carrier groups in the Mediterranean, or one in the Mediterranean, one in the Red Sea, which is like a bathtub, very tiny, narrow stretch mm-hmm. of water. Stupid place for a carrier group. Dumb. Anyway, the targets. That's all they are. Targets. That's what I think the coal was when it was hit by a missile. Um, that's a different story. Anyway, uh, our, so the point of this, the, our, the, the point of this, our government has been creating all the work, all the work. Mm-hmm. Sure, because yeah. it's business. War is, we talked about with Brianna. War is business. Yeah, it's, it's all money. And I, mm-hmm. and I know you mentioned uh, about Hitler with Brianna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also believe that our government was behind on eliminating all the Jews, not Hitler alone. Uh, well, let's talk about that because that's that's an interesting topic. I don't think no, the United States was not involved in in the uh, uh, in the murder of Jews, but they were certainly involved with the propaganda. They were involved. They actually turned away Jews. And I was talking about this. There was a ship that was uh, full of Jewish yeah. refugees I that was heard. coming to the United States that was turned around by Franklin Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. This is well documented in yep. history. In fact, we we can look it up he pretty was easily. A uh, well, he's he a communist. You know, but uh, yeah. but here's the thing, though. You know, he was terrible during the Depression. He extended the Depression for about 10 years. Those folks that believe that, uh, you know, spending in World War II uh, got us out of the Depression. No, it doesn't. Keynesian mm-hmm. economics doesn't work. Um, it, it temporarily improved the economy, but the cost in inflation later on was massive. So let's look up FDR sends Jewish refugee boat back. Let me just say FDR sends Jewish Jews so my- so my, Back to Germany. While you're looking at that, my feeling is that our government, that I thought it was squeaky clean, not 100%, <laughs> of course, because none of the governments are. 
but in my yeah. mind as a child that I came here and all that, you know, I, I love this country so much and it really yeah. upset me finding out that a lot of stuff it's our government behind. I believe they were behind well, Hitler's massacre for the Jews. I believe our government was behind the Chernobyl. Our government was behind the 9-11 towers with Building 7 collapsing on its own, uh, hitting the Pentagon with a low missile. The Oklahoma, the Clintons were behind this whole thing. So, and all the shootings, all the shootings, they're behind it. And, and, and you know, one shooting happens, and and they want to take your guns away. But the shooting goes on every weekend in Chicago, and so many die every weekend, and they don't care. Well, they don't care. They care less. No, it's not part yeah, of the agenda. Because it's not no, about it's it, not it, about it, the they, shooting and about the death. It's yeah. about power and control to disarm the United States people. Of course, that's the point. And yeah. I believe the CIA, according to a video I was watching, but I'm not sure if this is true or not. I believe the CIA created Hamas. They were talking about it, and Benjamin Netanyahu funded it. So it's so it's just no, like Trump that. says in one of his, one of his Q posts, he mm-hmm. said Israel will be for last. So everything Israel will be, be what now? Everything. Israel will be Israel will be for last. Whatever that means. For life. So, I'm just trying to think what you're saying. I, I've got last. Um, last. L-A-S-T. Oh, Israel be for last. Okay, all right. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm having a little issue. Go My ahead. headset is is broken. I'm not going to get a new one because I'll be on Rumble soon. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So we're moving the whole station to okay. Rumble. So we'll all be on video. But for right now, so I've got one ear okay. working. One ear. I dropped my headset when I was playing guitar. I was doing guitar videos. So I found the story, and I want to talk about. Uh, I think the videos that you listen to have their own propaganda, and I'll tell you about that in just a second. But here's what I found: History.com. Pretty reputable source. Uh, source is Aaron Blakemore, B-L-A-K-E-M-R-E, published June 4th of 2019. A ship of Jewish refugees was refused U.S. landing in 1939. This was their fate. The more than 900 passengers of the MS St. Louis were denied entry by immigration authorities in multiple countries in the lead up to the Holocaust. This is 1939. All right. That's when she invaded Poland, for those that don't know, September of 1939. So World War II. This wasn't, we're not talking like 33, uh-huh. 34. We're talking 1939. I mean, and Japan yeah. invaded uh, uh, China uh, back in 1937. So World War II actually started two years uh-huh. before this. Hello? Anyway, this is as the MS St. Louis cruised off the coast of Miami in June 1939, its passengers could see the lights of the city glimmering. But the United States hadn't been on the ship's original itinerary, and the passengers didn't have permission to disembark in Florida. Of course, now Florida is mostly Jewish. Teasing, teasing folks. Okay, just don't, you know, don't get after me. All right, anyway. As more than 900 Jewish passengers looked longingly at the twinkling lights, so this is pretty dramatic, they hoped against hope they could land. Those hopes would soon be dashed by immigration authorities, sending the ship back to Europe. And then nearly a third of the passengers on the St. Louis were murdered. This is tragic. Most of the ship's 937 passengers were Jews trying to escape Nazi Germany. Though World War II had not yet begun, the groundwork for the Holocaust was already being laid in Germany, where Jewish people faced harassment, discrimination, and political persecution. What's going on here? But though the danger faced by the passengers was clear, they were turned down by immigration authorities, first by Cuba, then by the United States and Canada. For many on the St. Louis, that rejection was a death sentence. Now, why Cuba, Canada, oh, I understand Cuba, you know, fellow uh, fascist country like, uh, of course, they weren't yet. No, they were a dictatorship in those days. They, they, mm-hmm. Castro was 59, it was 20 years later. 
So why are all these countries right. turning away Jews? And as I talked to Brianne about this, so the, the, the idea is that, uh, that this is, that it's, it's uh, throughout history, the Jews have been victims. So what would FDR, who had huge Jewish support from New York, I guarantee you when he was governor of New York, why would he turn this ship away? That makes no sense. They're criminal. But you know, mm-hmm. it's sad because my best, best friends, probably better than my own sisters, uh, they're Jews, and I love them so much. And mm-hmm. most, except for one particular family, but most of the other ones that I personally know, and they're my friends, they're radical left Democrats. Mm-hmm. And like my sales rep just was here two weeks ago, and he hates Donald Trump, and he loves Biden. And he still said he will vote for Biden again. I said, what do you mean vote again? He wasn't elected. I said he stole the election, so he's arguing with me, and I and he knows he knows how I argue with him. But see, why will they continue voting for Democrats? And Democrats are the ones destroying Israel, you know, mm-hmm. with yeah, all the that's money a good that question. Biden well, gave it's, Iran. It's political I mean, suicide. It's just, it, it makes no it's, sense. It's it is crazy. political suicide. Why would they do that? Yeah, that's Brianna couldn't answer it. I can't answer it. You can't answer it. Nobody can. Jews can't even answer it. Exactly. You, know, uh, you know what's interesting, though? Remember I was talking about this, um, Alan Dershowitz, who was supposed to be on the show last week. Same as yeah. Naomi Wolf. They both, they both canceled on the same day, right? Uh, but Dershowitz posted a video of how he was disgusted with Obama supporting Hamas, saying that uh, you know, Israel mm-hmm. were murderers you know, occupying Gaza, right? That's really Arab territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says he couldn't believe. And I want to know why he couldn't believe that. Anybody who knows anything about Obama knows he's a Muslim. Knows his father was a Muslim. Yeah. He's always been a Muslim. He's been a Muslim since he was Barry Sotero or whatever his name was and back in dead. Indonesia. Married with a dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, let's, yep. let's put that aside for a second. Okay, because I, I know that, that, that we, we can dispute <laughs> that. But as far as politics, though, he's a Muslim. He wants a Muslim nation. So the fundamental transformation yep. of America, people think it's only yep. about making us Marxist. No, it's making us Marxist Muslim. In other words, a communist Muslim. theocracy, if there is such a thing. Uh, anyway, but the point yep. is, that's what that's what he was planning to do. And so how Alan Dershowitz couldn't see that, I don't know. I mean, Dershowitz is not an idiot. You know, he defended Klaus von Bülow, you know, in, in, in his murder trial against his wife, which I'm sure he killed. Uh, you know, he defended yeah. Trump and got him off. He says, I, I got off Trump so I could vote against him again. So why would you vote against Trump with all the good things he did? That makes no sense either. Right. So but he was yeah. shocked to find out that Obama actually, you know, Act like a Muslim because he is one, you know, and support Hamas. And so I'm thinking, so if you got Dershowitz, who's brilliant, who's probably the maybe the best constitutional scholar we've ever had in this country, couldn't see through Obama in all, after all this time. Now you Pretty know why sad. Jews support. Now you know why Jews are anti-Israel and support uh, you know support leftist causes. So it's, it's either sad. leftism or Israel. You can't have both, right? That's your choice: leftism, mm-hmm. communism, Marxism, Islamic theocracyism, or freedom in Israel. You can't have both. No. What do you think? One, one of my Jew, yeah, it's, it's insane. I, I just, but my sales rep, is, he's going to find out the truth coming up. But one of my uh, uh, doctor, dentists that I used to work for, they're my, one of my best friends, him and his wife. She's like my sister to me. We call each other sister. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked to me for my birthday on November 9th. He goes, he goes, Josie, I just cannot believe how much hate for the Jewish people, he goes. <laughs> and, you know, 
I said, well, it's organized. yeah. It's organized. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. And one of one of the people that they hate the most is Jesus. You know, but since he doesn't believe in Jesus, he changed the subject. <laughs> no, but look at it. Look, look how much money Iran has. Yeah. You know, we funded Iran. Iran funds Hamas. Hamas funds the university protests. Yep. You know, it's the money yeah. laundering. It's it's the same old thing like Ukraine. You you know, we give money to you. Well, we the, the government gives our money to Ukraine. Ukraine, you know, corruptly spends it. They they pay the Democrats and Republicans back. It comes back to us, to yeah. the government, who gives it to the yeah. military industrial complex to make the weapon. We don't have any more that Ukraine does that they're using in a war that should never have been fought. And it's a circle of money. Well, the other circle of money is Obama gave billions to Iran. Which they, or or opened up uh, and opened up the sanctions and everything else. So Iran's getting 52 rich. Fifty-two billion had them, with a B. Yeah, Trump had yeah. them bankrupt, right? Trump had them bankrupt and on their knees and not causing trouble in the world. And and Brandon Obama, you know, funds them again. They give money to Hamas. Hamas gives money to the universities, and the universities create uh, terrorist groups and call them, you know, American Patriots for Hamas or some other bogus name. Uh, our government has spent the biggest money laundering ever. We did not know absolutely. About it. Because yeah. Iran asked for fifty billion mm-hmm. to to blackmail Obama to say we have Osama bin Laden here alive and we're going to expose you that you lie about yeah, it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would seize yeah I would so, seize Iranian assets and give them to Israel, but I do. So they only asked for fifty billions with a B, mm-hmm. and Obama says I'm just going to go ahead and say send fifty two billion cash. And you know what? The other two billions was for them here, the government. They divided among each other. So this has been going on for years about this money laundry, World mm-hmm. War One, World War Two. I mean, all these incidents, explosions, and killings, and everything. CIA, FBI, our government, presidents, judges, lawyers, Supreme Court judges. It's all. It's all fake. They all been behind this whole thing. Look at look at this child trafficking. Eighty five thousand children are missing. They came through the border. This is just kids from other countries of the world. Mm-hmm. Not talking about the seven seventy thousand plus they go missing on our system here. Okay? This is yeah. extra. The eighty five thousand are missing. They're gone. The children are still missing in Hawaii, over two thousand. And there's a lot of children missing in Acapulco too with all this thing going on. So yeah. they create all these events to steal the children. And uh, hurricanes, Louisiana, they were bringing a lot of a lot of innocent people homeless in the street, bringing them to FEMA boats, the huge boats. So, and a lot of this. Oh, and let me tell you, something else just happened. She visited San Francisco, right? And, and, uh, oh, I listen. We had a live report. I don't know if you heard uh, Bianca von Krieg last uh, Wednesday had a live report. Uh, she was doing street interviews. We had a, a woman from Falun Gong. We had uh, people talking about different things. Oh yeah, it was it was fabulous. Um, so we had a live report from uh, you know she went by, you know uh, there she goes. <laughs> that would be a great slogan. Yeah, there she goes. Bye, she. Okay. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, let no, but I've got, you, a, I've got an article on, on everything you. that uh, the, the government agreed to. Well, I want to hold you up just for a second. I got no, to no, ask no, you. No. I want to get I him on. All right, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go wait. ahead. I want so to get off she. What happened? Uh huh. She came. She was coming into town, right? Uh-huh. And guess what? All the streets with all the bums and homeless and druggies and illegals and all that stuff. 
overnight mm-hmm. was gone. Of course. Clean, white, wiped out, and nobody has a video. Nobody has any evidence. We don't know what they did with all these people. Oh, I'm going to you find know? out tomorrow. I, I'm going to find out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to ask Bianca what happened to them because I want to know if the government put them back, <laughs> put them back on the street again. So that's, that's the question nobody's asking. You know, we, we're all asking. Yeah. Well, they, we're all asking that they got cleaned up, and you know, they cleaned the streets. But my question is, did they put them back again when she left? <laughs> you know, Xi Jinping. I mean, did, did they put it back? We left, or is it Xi or she? Whatever I call him, Xi, because it's funny. But that's the question. Did they? Did they go back? Are they back on the street now? Was this just temporary? Because wherever they yeah. kept them. Wherever they kept them, you know, it wasn't Nancy Pelosi's house, but wherever they kept them, are they back on so, the street? So, I mean, that's what I'm curious about. So yeah, the, the idea, the thing is, how can they clean up this? The people have been suffering in the street, and the and the businesses are suffering, and civilians are walking into poop needles and all that, and they wipe out the whole thing overnight, overnight. Mm-hmm, yeah, and we which means they can. That. All right, that's proof that yes. they can solve the problem, but they don't want to. So what advantage is it to the government to do that? Why would they have homeless yeah. people needles and poop on the streets? What do they gain from that? Yeah. And the answer yeah. is money. Mm-hmm. They get money for it. Mm-hmm. The worse the problem looks, the I more money that, they can extract from government, from the, from the federal government. I think, what's been, I think what's been going on in big cities like New York City, uh, San Francisco, L.A., and all these rich areas and cities, they are on purposely allowing this to happen so people can flee and sell for peanuts their properties because they're they're desperate. They can hardly wait to get out, and this is what's going on. And the cartel, mm-hmm. which is them, they're buying the property cash. Oh yeah, this is this has been going on for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. You know, yeah. Well, I don't it started happening here property. in Pensacola. Yeah. It started right. happening here in Pensacola, and you know what? We complain. I said, we're not going to have that here. We cleaned that place so fast, our, our major here in, in mm-hmm. Pensacola. Right. We don't have that. But we still have a lot of bumps everywhere, you know, uh, going around, and I don't like it. <clears throat> and also, um, uh, I just bought a new store in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Lulu's Uniform. Yep. <clears throat> What's the address so people can find it? It's uh, 527 uh, Mary Esther. Uh, you'll see it next to, uh, uh, what do you call that place? Uh, Harbor Freight, 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 Oh, okay, so you're next to a big department store? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, there's a lot of bumps. And, you know, I'm right on the corner, and it's a short corner, and all of a sudden the bumps are coming, and this guy came in very suspicious with a backpack. He thought I was mm. alone. Tall guy, not good. I can tell he was a little nervous. And he thought I was alone. I said, how can I help you? And he's like, well, I'm just looking around. There's nothing for him in there, nothing. Because yeah. you can right. see that he's a bum. And uh, as soon as my husband came from the back room, and my husband's not going to be there all the time either, as soon right. as he came out of the back room, he's kind of like freaking out, you know. So, okay, I'll check with you guys later. And he walked out, but uh-uh. Uh, and my daughter's going to be managing that. I said, honey, you're going to have to bring your little Second Amendment protection there, sweetie pie. If you <laughs> yeah, have I don't know how much you want to talk about that on. We don't want to talk about that on the air too I much. Don't <laughs> I don't want to give away too many details. But it, okay, well, that's fine. Then. All right, We're protected. My, my caution. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, I, I carry so, a gun a whole lot. I won't tell people when, but I do. But yeah. uh, that's not that's not a big I secret. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have uh-huh. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do too. 
Especially these but, days, uh, because you never but, know when uh, when someone's. Well, let me. I want to get Pianki in the conversation, and he can hopefully join me in the okay. next hour too, because that's open. But I got a question for you in these videos, because I my fear is that you're watching a whole lot of videos with a very narrow, restrictive perspective. And part of the reason I, I watch some of them, but I, I get into them, and I think, you know what? I it's just, I've heard this. And it doesn't make sense to me because if the, for those videos and that information and that perspective to make sense, then the government has to be amazingly capable to pull off 9-11, you know, huge amounts of child trafficking, uh, all the shootings in the schools. And they're not that competent. Nobody's that good. You know, the Oklahoma bombing. I think they use these things. They are good. They, I think they capitalize they are, on the opportunity. They are good, Greg. They are good and very patient yeah, because it. according to uh, Dr. David Martin, this whole pandemic and, and killing half of the world with the shots, it was planned back in the late 60s. So they are very patient, these criminals. Oh, yeah. And if you can believe in that, hey, you can believe in anything else. How you would know? he think that back in the 60s they would predict something, you know, 50 years later? That doesn't – or they 60 did. years later. Uh, video. Dr. David Martin. He's, he's no, I, started... I, just because it's on video doesn't, you know, I, I still challenge it. And David Martin's a smart guy. Well, he's I mean, he's looking into the patents. He's talking about the Congress. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's talking about the Congress. He's talking oh, about it in the open because they have evidence. Yeah. So if these people are very patient, they spend 30 years, 40 years waiting until they get what they want. Yeah. It's, it, that's what communists – look, I remember when I used to go to Nicaragua in 1976, 77, they were brainwashing all the 12, 13-year-old kids, preparing them to, to take over in the 80s. Yeah, they were, they were patiently training because I, went, I attended a couple of the communist meetings myself when mm-hmm. I went to visit Nicaragua, you know. Communist so they were, yeah. they were grooming the kids. Yeah, and that's what they're doing here with MTV with all the little cartoons, with everything. They're grooming the little children here. Look at how many children right now hate their parents. Lots of parents. And in, and in China, Japan, they're brainwashing the children with the phones to hate their parents. I hate oh, yeah. them uh, because you're taking away my phone. You know, it, it, it's going on. I just asked yeah. this little boy the other day that he's a Christian kid, uh, 13 years old. Uh, I asked him, hey, we were talking about the gospel of Jesus and different story. And I said, what is the rainbow meaning to you? He goes, about gays. You know what I mean? So it's the, the little brains are being twisted by these criminals. The rainbow is about Noah. The, God promised that he will not flood the earth again, but he's going to burn it. It's going to be fire instead of rain. So They're confusing the brains of little children. So anyway. No, you also explained there's the refraction of light into the the seven colors of of the uh, visible spectrum of light. Red, yellow, green, Uh blue, indigo, violet. Red, yellow. Was it red? Orange, yellow, Red. green, blue, Orange. indigo, violet. Yeah. So those are the colors. So if you have mm-hmm. a prism, that's what a rainbow is. A rainbow is actually a refraction of light into its component parts. But uh, we can use that explanation too. Pianchi, you've been waiting patiently. You want to get in on this? I don't so know about wait. the rainbow flag and Noah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like sent an article in um, for for this Muslim town of Hamtramck, Michigan. I haven't had a chance to read it. Pianki, you want to talk about that? What's going on? Yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to tell you about you was talking about getting rid of all public schools. 
and you're uh-huh. taking on that same position. That's up to the parents and people of those school districts on how their schools should run. Okay. No, if, if they want to have a public school, I don't care. But what I'm saying is we need to get rid of the Department of Education. Uh, we need to stop funding yeah. these things, you know, with tax dollars. Now, if the government wants to set up a, a school choice system like they have in Arizona, full school choice, so that parents and everybody gets a voucher because you, people pay t- education taxes, you know, whether they have kids or not. So you either have to give everybody a voucher to give to the school of their choice or uh, you stop taxing people for education, have everybody pay for it, uh, and do things like uh, tax credits, tax deductions, you know, maybe subsidies for lower income folks, well, things like that. Look, but the you can't. Federal government right. has nothing to do with your local public school, Greg. No, that's not and true. They, they fund it. There's a lot of funding that comes. They do the not. Federal, the Federal Department of Education is a funding mechanism. That's what listen, it is. It gives out grants, block grants, money. Mm-hmm. I put your article in there in your chat room about Ladue Public Schools. Mm-hmm. They receive about 1% of their budget from the federal government, and that's mm-hmm. because they allow students from St. Louis area to attend their school district, and they utilize free and reduced lunch. That's the only way. Federal government has no say-so in your public school. Where do you guys get these well, wait a minute. What, from? Where, where do, why do we have a, department, a federal department of education if they have no say in local schools? What's the point of having it then? I tell you one thing, the reason I got a Department of Education, because they provide funds and scholarships for those families that apply for them, but all families don't get it. Yeah, no, well, I think you're right in the first place, funds. They they, they fund, I mean, billions and billions of dollars what come to the Department of Education to schools. Fi- well, yeah, let's, I think let's take it's a look. called a that they have to apply for every year. But well, federal yeah. government don't have nothing to do with uh, public schools unless you invite them in I don't understand what people no, I don't, get I don't this concept that. about the pen. No, well, our government has their hands on everything. Uh, well, I tell you what, they I just tell make you, what, you think that they. Don't. I tell you what, it's no, easier no. said. It's easier said than proven. Yeah, of course they don't want you to know. They're, well, they're just, all well how do you know, Josie? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen to what you're saying. You say it's a secret, and they don't want you to know. So how do you know? Well, they're working behind the scene, making you believe. Oh, oh and, okay. And, and the now they're working school. behind yeah. the scene. That mean, that mean you can't see them. So how do you know? Well, well, because you you can tell. Look, look at all these LGBTQ and MSS. Uh, it's being shoved in all our public schools by our government. That's exactly what they're doing. Planned Parenthood. Well, you think he stays? You think he stays shoving all these things to corrupt our children? No, it's our government. Look at well, what we I have in like, office: a gay, gay well, that's because, dress up like when addressed. That's because parents choose that. You know, in some of these uh, settings where they have cross dressers and, and stuff like that, you got parents sitting in chairs with their kids on their left, and they're watching the performance. So those are parents. You can't tell parents what's good for their kids, although people do try to do that, and organizations try to do it too. I believe those right? parents are paid for. No, they're paid for by our government. Parents How don't you know want that? their children to be gay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a – I cannot show you. Here is the proof. But that's exactly what's been going on. They've been grooming parents. They give them lots of money to attend all these places some and, and do a video. Uh, some don't, some do. Yeah. 
unless you are gay and lesbian, you want lesbian gay kids. But most parents don't want that for their kids. I don't want that for my kids. No way. Thank God you, I only have you one. You're right. Some don't and some do. Some some say they support their child in their endeavors. And it's totally wrong to try to deny yeah. them of their ability to have input over their children. Mm-hmm. Look at look at Obama changed the schooling teaching. Okay, I mean each state should have a say so, but they didn't. Obama did it. You know, Obama, Obama, Trump. Yes. No president can control public schools. That's those schools. Those schools are controlled by the local concerns. But they're not. And you got, they're as not. I said before, you got school districts. For instance, the school districts want to take ROTC. Well, with ROTC comes stipulations. Some of them don't want to take ROTC. So it's not going to happen. No. Getting rid of public schools is crazy. What are you going to do with the sports program? Kids play sports. They want to play sports. So that's ridiculous. And some public, schools, well, some public schools are some of the highest performing in the country. Uh, Metro in St. Mm-hmm. Louis, building that I built, by the way, and they was number one ranking high high school in the United States, even over private schools. So it mm-hmm. just depends on how much effort and enthusiasm is shown by the parents on how well their school district does for their kids. Mm-hmm. It's all a big corruption, these public schools, and parents need to pull their children out ASAP. You got some parents have to work three school three jobs. Yeah, but they have money for nails, hair, uh uh all these fancy cars, all this crap instead of worrying about their children. Yeah, that's the problem in America. And you know what? Say the government, I'm not gonna pay taxes for schooling because you're corrupting my children. I'm not paying that taxes. tax or that money. I'm going to use it for private school. Taxes schooling comes that. from your local concerns, and also there's a formula. And not all states have a formula where uh, money comes from the state too for school districts. I know, I know, well, black school districts in the St. Louis area they have more money per child than white school districts. Mm-hmm. Normandy has more money than Aston. Aston is a white area. Mhm. Well, I made my choice. My child will not attend a public school. And, and you know, we didn't have a lot of money back then, you know, and uh, I sacrificed things for me to make sure my child was in a private school, Christian school. Of course, not everybody can afford it, but they can homeschool. You don't have to I spend all that uh, $600 a month. I attended a, a public trade high school. It had aero mechanics, auto mechanics, sheet metal, welding, pre-engineering, pre-nursing, home economics, when you, cooking. Look, Bianchi, when you were a child in Neil Gray, things were not so corrupt like they are now. I mean, gates were in the closet, okay? And they can do their own thing on their private home, but they were not shoving it in your face and making your children cut off their uh, private parts to change them in the school well, are making decisions. That's still up to the parents, Josie. 
if your no, parents allow that stuff to go on, wait, wait, or don't wait. fight no, against no, no. it. No way. In California, if your 12-year-old child, because they've been brainwashing, wants to be a girl, they will arrest the parent if the parent has anything to do with it, okay? This is Let me ask you ask. a question. You, you live in Florida, right? You live in yeah. Florida, right? Well, you Gladly. have no concern what goes on in California. You don't live there. You don't pay taxes there. Your kids don't go to school there. You, that's California. That's their responsibility. Your responsibility is in Florida in your community. Of course. That's why I live here. Thank God. Yeah. But I'm saying our system, our government is controlling all this garbage. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Well, they're I disagree arresting parents. When you say the federal government okay. don't control no public schools. Yes, Great. they do. You can Google all day long. It don't happen. Of course, Google's not going to tell you because Google is part of the corruption. Yeah. Well, now, it's, it's, yeah. wait a minute. If they hide behind closed doors, if it's a secret and Google don't tell you, how do you know? I'm not saying it's a secret. They're working behind the scene. They're controlling. Hey, if you don't do this, we don't give you money for this. If you don't, you know, they control you. They control everything, everything. You can look yes. at any public school public school budget, unless they ask, that money don't come in. They provide things for Title IX, which allow a women's sports, but if they don't have no sports, they don't want they don't get it. As I say, Clayton, Missouri, and Ladue, if you look at the allocation of dollars that run their public schools, those two public school districts, mm-hmm. they don't even hardly get yeah. any money from the state, the state of Missouri. Yeah. Ninety-some-odd mm-hmm. percent of their revenue comes from the local concerns, the people in the communities, the businesses, and so on. That's why they rank so high. I ain't going to say that's why, but that is a very good school district. Well, we cannot, we cannot discuss this all day long, but you know what? I know my ground. I know I was married to a top-secret CIA. We know a lot of crap that a lot of the civilian people, regular people, don't know about. So it's a big corruption. Well, if they come through, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, uh, let me I was going to chase this. them this off. Is, this is interesting. So Josie, the same, this, the, Josie who, who uh, you know, says that, uh, that you know people in the CIA and you know things that we don't know, uh, accuses the CIA of killing John Kennedy and a bunch of other folks. So uh, why would you trust that yeah. CIA, given that they've assassinated some of our our most amazing people and you know people in high office and things like that. So how do you, how do you reconcile that? Well, I'm not married to him anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay, well that's all. all right. Well, okay, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, you know, and it's like the CIA. It, you can't, it's almost like you can't have it both ways. Either you trust the CIA to do good things and you trust the information they're giving you, Chris. or you think they killed um, John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. Yeah. In which case, you can't trust did. what they say because they're lying. You know, so Fair so. Yeah. I hate to put this to you, but which is it? Well, it's a big corruption. Our government is a big but, corporation yes. corruption. That's that's what it is. They want to manipulate people. They want blacks to hate white, white to hate black. This whole thing is like a game to them. This uh, this uh, killing of people with the shots. It's all well organized. It's like Hunger Games. It's it's just a big game. Everything, you know. Planned Parenthood is being run by our government, and and, and they're funding and and 
Planned Parenthood is in all of our schools, well, they're definitely our hospitals. Funny. Okay, so let's. So, uh, I don't think members of our government are actually sitting on the board of Planned Parenthood. That would not make sense. However, we could defund yes, Planned Parenthood. Hillary, Planned Parenthood wait, should. Wait, oh, wait, if you, wait. show me, show no. me an example. I mean, I'd, I'd be certainly willing to to look Hillary, at it. But yeah. Hillary used to attend the meetings in Texas, one of the biggest, biggest abortion clinic with Abby Johnson. Oh, I believe that. She told us because I'm, she I'm sure she's there. a donor. She seen sure Hillary. She's... She's seen right. Hillary a couple times in the meetings. Hillary, mm-hmm. she was our government, okay? Yeah, but yes. she served well, let the me board, say this. though. Go ahead, Bianchi. Let me say this about abortion clinics. You never see a woman being walked into a abortion clinic with a gun upside her head. She goes mm-hmm. in there voluntarily. Mm-hmm. They're brain, brainwashed, of course. Yeah. Okay. That's what they've been doing for a long time. So, so the, the mother is brainwashed to kill, kill her kid. I mean, give up yes. abort a child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They are. Okay, that it's not a baby, that it's a piece of blob. So they brainwash them since they're young. So these kids are so ignorant. They think, oh, the baby's not going to feel anything because it's a – and they're talking about a baby. It's just so – it's just crazy. You know, that but was the argument before to... ultrasounds, you know, as remember we talked yeah. about this on the show yeah. before, that before ultrasounds, that was very mm-hmm. prominent, yeah. uh, you know, uh, like all of us in college who, uh, you know, were, were, went to liberal pro-choice colleges, you know, we all thought, well, if, if, you, if you're just, you know, removing a few cells, you know, how can it be that big a deal? Well, then ultrasound came out, I'm not sure, like 80s, late 80s, early 90s, whenever it came out, and all of a sudden these pictures appeared on the media, and we're looking at these, you know, 15-week, 20-week-old, you know, what they're calling fetuses, and that's a baby. And so, yeah. wait a minute, we've all been lied to. So it's so it, it's yeah. almost like a dividing line in the abortion argument between pro between you know before ultrasounds and after ultrasounds. After ultrasounds, you know the evidence is there, it's clear, it's on the media, anybody can look at it. It's pretty clear what you're looking at, you know, at the different weeks. That, that that's a baby. We're not talking about a group of cells anymore. And in fact, it'd be interesting to know what, what what the group of cell part is. What the first maybe what three or four days, and after that, you know, organs start forming. You know, it's, but that's not the point. The point is, once you have a baby, you want to save the baby. I mean, that's, that's just, that's how it goes. This is why Pianchi, you know, we've, and then we talked about this bill before, that if abortion only meant terminating a pregnancy, I don't think most people would have a profit. If a woman wants to give up her parental rights and, and give up the, the baby, uh, and the father has obviously, you know, becomes, you know, custodial parent, and then if he chooses not to, we'll, we'll do, you know, then you've got like a sequential order of things, all the way up to dropping the baby off at a fire station, which people do, uh, but it's better than killing it, right? Uh, and, and so that's the question. Are you talking about terminating a pregnancy or killing a baby? And that, see, we've linked abortion to killing a baby, but you've got to break that link. You can't talk about those two in the same thing because they're two different events. That's why the bill that we wrote separates those two events, that terminating a pregnancy, terminating parental rights, as long as the baby can live, is a, is a possible option. However, the condition is that the baby's going to live. Otherwise, you can't do that option. Of course, there's no guarantees 100%, but... It's better than what we have now of linking an abortion. In other words, abortion always means the death of a baby. So we have abortions at, you know, just short of nine months, but we have babies that are surviving prematurely where the mother wants the child and the father wants the child at what, 20 weeks now? What's that? Three months, four months, three times, four months, four or five months. You know, so it's medical science has changed. So we're aborting babies, you know, far later than we know we can save them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, you're Absolutely. right about that. Though. Yeah. And I mean, you like you take George 
Al Gore was at the Devos conference. I think it was in about five years Davos. ago. Uh-huh. Davos, and he's complaining about uh-huh. the population growth rate among Africans is a major problem contributing to global warming. Well, Al Gore, that is none of your business. <laughs> Those countries are sovereign, and that's the decisions that they want to make. You complained about Nigeria. That's not your business. Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, you you held a carrot in front of those countries mm-hmm. saying if you want the aid, you have to sign on to our Yeah, abortion, gay abortions. rights, radical yeah, political leftist agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is but the same people, uh, don't you find it interesting that the same people that are for abortion for Americans, you know, they don't push that for illegal aliens to cut down the illegal alien population. They do push it on Nigerians. All right. Because they, they want abortion services, leftism, you know, uh, they don't they don't push the LGBTQ agenda on Hamas, for example, which throws gay people off rooftops, as Muslims do. You know, so it's very inconsistent. So they bring in. So if they want to reduce the world population, why are they bringing in 15 million illegals into the United States to lower our quality of life way down? So the hypocrisy is everywhere. So Al Gore, you know, who brings in 15 million illegals with his Democrat Party telling Nigeria they have to cut their birth rate. It's just pure hypocrisy. Yeah, it is. Hypocrisy is all over the place. Every place you turn, you go in the oh, bathroom, lock the door, think you're going to have we, privacy. We try to point it out wherever we see the next it. thing yeah, you yeah. know, hip-hop, mm-hmm. hypocrisy is on the wall looking at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew the COVID shot. I got the gold, sweetie. Oh, okay, let's get Hello? your address and store and let's give your uh, Yes, I got the gold. Uh, I have to. I have an hour drive to uh, to open my store at 10. Oh, wow. Do so, you have free donuts yeah. and coffee? No. <laughs> I don't like coffee. I like milk. Oh, about oh. your customers. And raw milk. We're talking about raw milk, too. So this is Josie. Hey, that's going to bring the Hold on, Bianchi. Let her go. Hold on, Bianchi. This is Josie with Action Radio. And don't forget to support us so we can continue being on the air so you can listen to our craziness. And uh, God bless you. Visit me at Ruth Uniform Shops in Pensacola or Lulu's in Fort Walton Beach. God bless you guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. God bless you too, Josie. And when we get on Rumble, everybody will see your pretty face. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so she about Rumble. should have said that she's going to have raw milk. That's going to bring the FBI on her. Yeah, well, she's not Amish. I think she's okay. Unless she's Nicaraguan Amish. I'm teasing you. <laughs> That's the fun of this show. So well, let me ask you. I'm going to take a break here in a second. But what do you think of, uh, of Rumble? Uh, of the idea of, of us all going visual. We'll see your pretty face, too. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> well, great. Was, I don't... What? Uh, you know, uh, people didn't like video phones, so some do, many don't. Well, they can always turn off the video portion and just listen to us if they want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be huge for the show. I think we're getting a much bigger audience. Uh, I think that video is the future. And then, again, if people want to listen to audio... You know, they can always listen. Uh, the, the podcast will be available so they can listen, you know, in their car. They can listen at home on the computer. You can do other stuff. A lot of times I'll have uh, video shows that I, I'm, I'm working, so I, I don't watch the show. I'm listening to it on my computer while I'm working. And so I do that with YouTubes a lot too, which is kind of tough with airplane ones because, you know, those are mostly pictures anyway. But uh, I think it's going to be good for us. So it's going to be the same procedure. Yeah, well, anything um, better than what you got now is hit and miss. Well... Blogtalk's not helping us. I mean, you know, the audience is not what I expected it should be at this point, given the fact that COVID basically ended a year ago. Uh, that should have, 
we should have had our lucky break. With all the big guests we've had on, we should have had a much bigger break by now, somewhere. And it's not happening. Something. You okay, know, I got yeah. to make a change. So I'm making a change. Yep. Yeah, you know, the founders of Blog Talk, I can't think of the guy's name. You know what his purpose was? So his no. family members across the country could get on a one medium and talk to each other. Oh, is it like a like, like a party line? Yeah. No, it's a great service. I mean, I'm not, you know, but I think that uh, it hasn't, and I'm not going to go into all the details. I, I wrote them a big email uh, earlier. Um, but there are some things I think they could have done that they didn't. Uh, I think that uh, I was really upset by all the uh, uh, the breakdowns of the last uh, few weeks. That's not fun. I can't count on the station. Um, but the biggest thing is, is our audience is not where it should be. And I think that uh, they could have helped and they didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We do have the world's most unique show. Nobody else on the planet has a citizen, citizen legislature combined with a radio show. Nobody. We're it. You know what and you should talk about? What's that? The second presidential debate is going to be held in a historical black college in Virginia State. What's the third one? Is it, uh, they already had a couple. It's going to be a nail in, I'm saying it's going to be a nail in the GOP coffin. Is, it, is this Democrat Party or is this Republican? Because I don't think the Democrats are having any debates. Well, if I didn't get into those details, then I was just looking at the headline. Huh. It's going to be uh, sometime in October of 2024. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, okay, yeah. So the GOP, the GOP is stupid. The GOP is run by uh, Mitt Romney's niece, Ronna McDaniels, Ronna McRomney. You know, and their job is to their job is to uh, subvert themselves to the Democrats. That's their job. They're, the job yeah. of the Republican establishment is to be subordinate, be the, the betas uh, to the Democrats. And everything they do well, proves it. Hmm? I agree with you. Whoever's running the GOP is really dumb. They are dumb. You're going to have – see, when Betsy, the secretary of uh, education under Donald Trump, went to Bethune-Cookman College uh, hmm. commencement, she was booed. The kids, the uh, students turned it back to her, mm-hmm. and that was a historical black college. So well, if they have an was, event there at this one, yeah. these that's young people are going to ask Go hard questions, and that's I don't fine. think that GOP can answer. Well, I don't really care because they're goober candidates anyway. I don't want any of them. I'm supporting Trump. So to me, the, the, the entire goober establishment's job is anti-Trump. They're all waiting for Trump to get arrested. That's what I've heard about DeSantis. All he wants, you know, the only reason he ran was he thought Trump was going to get arrested and that would clear the way for him because he knew he couldn't beat Trump. And now that Trump's not being, you know, arrested and taken off the ballots, which, of course, they can't do because that's illegal. Uh, they can talk about it, but that ain't happening. You know, all of a sudden the goobers become irrelevant. I mean, they really do. So so the fact that, well, uh, you know, uh, but I don't think Trump will do it. I don't like, think Trump will have a debate that sets him up to lose. I don't think he's that stupid. Well, just like Jonathan said yesterday, and he's doing a good job on these January 6th. Of the people around Trump is lousy. They don't even, I don't even think no, they're terrible. On yeah. You're right. No, he needs a total clean house. He needs to get nothing but absolute Trump loyalists. He needs to fire most of the federal government. I would say everybody over 30 would be a good start. But anybody who's been in a department for any length of time, anybody who's run an agency, anybody who's uh, been in government too long. If you've been in government more than 10 years, you need to be gotten rid of. It's like you've been there too long. You've got too much power. That's right. You know how the military moves officers from base to base? The reason they do that is so that nobody builds a power base at one particular base and controls everything. Like J.I. Mm. over the FBI. 
So, so the, the, the rest of the government needs to work on the military model. You need to move people from agency to agency. You need to move people around. You need to get rid of them after a certain amount of time in government. They need to go. You need to hire new people. Yeah, after 24 have, years, they you know, need to go. Oh, 24 years? No, no, 10. 10 years in government should be it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. You know, so, so, so term limits are far more important for bureaucrats than they are for politicians because you can always find another, another corrupt politician that will get tons of money and get elected. So they add term limits for politicians. We just need a better educated uh, electorate. But if you get rid of people after 10 years of government service, now they keep looking for the next corrupt person. So I think that would be – anyway, let me take a break right now. What is it? It's, it's 908. I want to talk about Javier uh, Millet in, uh, in Argentina because this is a fascinating development. I thought Josie would spend more time on it actually. I was kind of hoping she would, but uh, I, got to, I got an article I want to go over. So it's 9.08. This is Action Radio. Soon to be on Rumble at Action Radio Citizen Legislature. That's our channel, Action Radio Citizen Legislature. Uh, I've already got the channel set up. It's already to go. I just have to figure out how to do it, and I'll be starting that. I'll let you know. <laughs> but I'll be posting it every day. So Action Radio is moving to Action Radio Citizen Legislature at Rumble, and I'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. And if you want to help us out, as Josie says, this is uh, one way to do it.
Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. And just a reminder that the my friend, uh, the woman that came up with uh, the the saying "dangerously cool," um, just passed away this week, and so I'm not so happy about that. Obviously, what's that, Pianki? I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. Hey, look, um, it's, it's, you it's see that last you know, post I put in the chat. Um, I'm gonna give yeah, you a real quick did? school lesson. Oh, go to that website. Oh, okay. Well, I I want to I want to. I guess I'm going to let me check it real quickly. So how much, Somebody, why don't you yeah, just, tell me about it? just tell me about it. Well, you go to their website and it shows you how much money is spent on St. Louis area schools. It uh-huh. shows the tax rate. It says the percentage funding from local sources, the current operating expenditures per student and total expenditures per student. Right. And at the top, you got Clayton, Brentwood and St. Louis City. Clayton and Brentwood, mm-hmm. 95%, over 95% of their funding come from the local sources, not well, the federal good. government nor even the state. Now, check this out. City of St. Louis is 63% of their funding comes from local. And they get the total expenditure is 18476 Go all the way down to the bottom, you got a white school district called Bayless. Their funding mm-hmm. per student is $11,634. So you mm-hmm. got black school districts that have more per student than white school districts. That dispels that lie or that myth. Well, and it's also, not, it it's not the you, dollar spent. I mean, Utah spends less money, and they have mostly white students in Utah, and their their education standard is far higher. So it's not the amount of – the amount of money does not equal the amount of education. I mean, that's that's well known. You've got to have good teachers and you've well, got to have a good school system. It, 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 it depends on a lot of other things, but let's get uh-huh. past this here first. Sure. And people, if you look at the 
the Baylor school district, 56 56% comes from the local school, the local concerns, the local community. So that's that's where the difference lies. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's really you only you got another school district here, Riverview Gardens, for 26 percent, mm-hmm. and I know Riverview very well. It's right next to right. Ferguson. 26 percent of its money to run its schools comes from the local people because the area is poor. Twelve thousand dollars per student. Mm-hmm. So that's not the the federal government has nothing to do with that. No, that's not true. Um, but because uh, the federal government gives block grants to the states, the states give money to the local governments. Now, I'm you know, I mean, I, I don't block have the grant money. Me, but I know that block grant a, money doesn't go towards schools. Well, the Department <laughs> of Education, Department of Education gets a hundred billion dollars plus a year. What, what do they do with it? That's a lot of money. Where you know, do the they entire do defense it? budgets, the defense well, budgets like eight hundred billion. Well, so what do they do with that hundred billion? If you if you show me a graph. Or a table that shows where it goes. I I don't believe it. Well, that's fine. Actually, because I looked up. The, I had a website. The, the the Pete Peterson Government Foundation. Just look up Department of Education. Where's the money go? I don't want to talk about that now. I, I got. I want to do something different for now because you know we're gonna just battle statistics back and forth. My my uh, my emphasis, my point, my uh, my thing with education is that the government should not be requiring people to go to government schools. They should not be taxing people to go to government schools and making them pay for private schools and home schools on their own. That's my point. So how well, much is actually spent? My, my I don't really care is this. the ratio. Well, yeah, my contention ahead. is this, is that you're making it sound like it's the federal government. The government is the local concerns, the local government. Yeah, but the federal government also has the DEI standards. It does the it does a, a whole lot of criteria. It sets a, you know education standards for the country. The Department of Education does a lot of damage. Now, if the local money were under completely local control, that'd be different too. You know, I'm not objecting to to local governments, you know, and local people funding school the way they want. That's okay. But what I'm saying is that uh, it is wrong to tax people for education, um, for government education, and then make them pay for private schools on their own and make them pay for uh, homes on their own. You can't do that. So the whole point is well, not to tax there, people there is, directly for for one education option. That's what I want to stop. That there has been as, an argument about uh, uh-huh. what you just mentioned. But right. the least thing that the federal government can do is set a floor. It doesn't set the ceiling. Anyway, what's your next – who's up next? <laughs> okay. So let's let's get on to the, the main topic of the show, which is the election in Argentina. And people are like, gee, Greg, why are you talking about the election in Argentina? Because this is huge. And it's not just huge for Argentina, but uh, there's, there's two basic competing political uh, groups right now. There's the communists and there's freedom. And so the communists win in most of the world right now, <clears throat> you know, China, Russia, <laughs> different places all over. Uh, and freedom is not freedom was here when Trump was here. Uh, freedom was going to be in France if uh, Marine Le Pen got elected. But uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the, who's, the, who's that guy? Starts with an M. Anyway, he's there. Uh, Italy, I think, got uh, a woman who's basically for freedom, so that's good. Um, Brazil had uh, Bolsonaro, who was for freedom. He's basically in the model of Trump. Uh, his election was stolen. Uh, Colombia, I'm not sure about. Josie was going to tell us more details about that. But Argentina. Now, Argentina is interesting. They've had dictators. Argentina, and I didn't get to this with Josie, but Pianchi, you might remember this, was at war with Britain, the Falklands War. So this isolated, desolated rock, <laughs> you know, you know in, in the freezing cold southern uh, Atlantic Ocean, not that far from, uh, you know, the, uh, from uh, Cape Horn, South America's Cape Horn, right? It's most, some of the most treacherous, violent water in the world. A 
that's where the sailing ships all got wrecked because uh, before the Panama Canal was built. Anyway, Argentina fought Britain in the Falklands War for this rock. <laughs> so Margaret Thatcher and whoever the dictator was in Argentina went to war over a big rock sitting out there. Uh, so Argentina has an interesting history, but it was prosperous, and, that, and then it's not. Uh, and the, the leftist government destroyed Argentina, as leftist governments always do, because they centrally plan and they're idiots. You know, they, they, uh, they work on, on theories that uh, don't work. Keynesian economics to printing money to, you know, centrally planned economies to making everybody the same to, uh, you know, channeling, you know, taking from those who work and giving to those who don't. And then the people who don't work continue not to work. And the people who do work uh, stop working. And that's why communism always fails. And they never figure this out. So we've got this war going on in the the world right now between freedom and communism. And uh, this is a place where freedom won. And I just think it's spectacular. Pianchi. Well, Argentina's previous government was racist as it can be. Argentina used to have a large population of blacks mm-hmm. at the advent of the slave trade. There used to be about 14, 15, 16% of the population. Now they're down probably less than 1% of the population. They have all disappeared. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, is, is South America, I mean, we don't really talk about slavery in South America. I think Brazil had more slaves than anybody because Brazil has more agricultural land than anybody. Uh, the Caribbean had slaves, you know, back uh, American Indian, you know, nations had slaves. I mean, slavery is worldwide. It's been going on, you know, for thousands of years. But we don't really hear about South American slavery. Now, the, the, the countries of South America have changed. You know, back in the old days, you had, I think, Incas and Aztecs, or maybe that's more Central America. But I'm not, I don't know any of the history of the indigenous folks of, of South America. I know they were there. You know, the Amazons had people for well, tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Brazil had the largest population of black or other than the African continent. Argentina mm-hmm. had a lot of Jews come there after World War II. So mm-hmm. it was a correlation. But uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, the Nazis they went use, to Brazil. They have <laughs> Nazis paper went to Brazil, the, the Jews went to Argentina. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. They have paper ballots. They use those Dominion voting machines. I don't well, see, know. that's my question. That, I've got a couple of articles here. I want to go through uh, some of them, and we'll see if you can find out, because this is my question. Why wasn't this election stolen? And that's my cynical uh, thing. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm not, I'm not complaining about this. I think this is the absolute best result. But it would have been better if Trump had won his second, had gotten off as his second term, even though it was stolen. Although that may work out better because I think he's learned a lot of lessons in these four years. So he may be a better president in 2024 than he would have been if the term had continued and the impeachments had continued and he kept the same bad people in office and the geldings had continued. So this might actually work out better for us. However, other nations, you know, that uh, Macron, Macron's the president of France, you know, he's a socialist, basically. So France isn't doing that well. Um, so let me read this. So the Buenos Aires Herald, which strikes me, as I'm talking to Josie about this, very much like uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times. This is how they characterize the election. All right. So I'm going to go through this article. Then I've got a couple more. So Pianchi, you can tell me what you think. Stop me partway through if you think of something interesting or I'll stop myself as I tend to do. Buenos Aires Herald. This is um, November 9th, so two days ago. So the Argentina 2023 elections, Millet, that's M-I-L-E-I, Millet, Javier Malay, shot, he's the one who won, shocks with landslide presidential win. And why did he shock? The guy was hit. Oh, I guess they thought he was behind the polls. So they get false polls, right? So they had him behind in the polls, even though he was, he was doing well. And then they, they characterize him. This is the Buenos Aires Herald. This is the main newspaper, I'm sure, in Argentina. Calls him the far-right libertarian economist who clean, cloned his, do, his dead dog will replace the next president of Argentina. So they're trying to make him look like, uh, like he's crazy. All right? And they got a picture of him with his arms out and his... You know, face all scrunched up, and he's screaming. He's like, yes, 
anyway. So Amy Booth wrote this article. Now there's a, there's a there's a very Argentinian name. So who's Amy Booth? How did Amy Booth get to be on the Buenos Aires Herald? She's a white chick with glasses. Anyway, so Amy Booth wrote Javier Malay, the far right economist who wants to clone his who wants to close down the central bank and liberalize gun ownership, has won Argentina's presidential election. Well, that's a good thing. He wants to close down the central bank and liberalize gun ownership. What's wrong with that? That's what all freedom-loving people do. So, she's, we, so we know this is an incredibly biased article, which is why I'm reading it. Then she says, Malay of the La Libertad Avanza, which is Freedom Advances, had 56% of the vote with 87% counted. Uh, Economy Minister Sergio Massa had 44%, a difference of 12 percentage points. 12% in a national election anywhere is huge. That is massive. So that kind of eliminates the fraud, <laughs> right? So, so this, this is a pretty good result. Then it says, before the results were formally announced, Sergio Massa, candidate for ruling uh, Union para la Patria, Union for the Homeland, uh, took the stage to admit defeat and congratulate Malay on his victory. Okay, that's very good. The libertarian economists win. Now, they keep saying libertarian. Like, that's a bad thing. So you notice, Pianchi, you notice all the propaganda here? He, she said libertarian like three times already. The libertarian economist. Is that the author, Amy Booth? Amy Booth. Yeah, the white chick that writes for the Buenos Aires Herald. Yeah. I should get that job. Well, let's look up Amy Booth. Let's, let's, let's punch up her name. Let's see if she's a that. world government. You know, where does she come from? Because this is a very she biased got leftist article. Let's, let's find she's out. Amy Booth. Amy Booth, white chick with glasses. <laughs> that is my description ever, because so, this is radio. Is the managing editor of the Buenos Aires Herald. She's the boss, right? Her work on politics, social affairs, and human rights has appeared in the BBC, The Guardian, Vice, and many others. Those are all leftist sources, by the way. The BBC, The Guardian, and Vice are leftist media outlets, okay? Then it says she came to Buenos Aires from Bolivia in 2018, probably after screwing up that country, for a master's in political and social theory at UBA, University of Buenos Aires. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing. When, when she's not writing, she's probably reading or doing trapeze. Okay, so she's, a, she's an athletic liberal white chick this article came to Buenos Aires from Bolivia in 2018 so that was five years ago <laughs> so so she's now how did she get to be the managing editor of the Buenos Aires Herald five years after getting there that's a pretty good gig don't you think for a white chick from the United States uh, or England, most likely going on there uh, some politics going on there mm-hmm. I mean I mean how come uh, you know how come Juan Valdez isn't the, the managing editor of the Buenos Aires Herald it's the most Spanish name I could think of offhand. Remember Juan Valdez, you know, fine Colombian coffee beans? You know, how come, uh, you know, Javier Rodriguez <laughs> isn't running the, the Buenos Aires Herald? They got Amy Booth, the white chick from Bolivia. I just find this fascinating. You know, anyway, let me go on. Before the results were formally announced, Sergio, okay, I read that. Libertarian, oh, back to the libertarian economist win, turns Argentina's political landscape on its head. Well, considering it was bad to begin with, this is actually a good thing. If you reverse something bad, that's good, right? Then it says, Malay's flagship proposals include shuttering Argentina's central bank. Well, that's, that would be the Federal Reserve in this country. We know the Federal Reserve has screwed up the economy since they were created in 1913. So that's a good thing, even though she makes it a bad thing. Then she says, dollarizing the economy. See, I didn't know what that meant. Josie explained it, right? Remember when she said that they're going to go to Argentinian dollars as opposed to something some other currency? That's a good thing. Then it says abolishing ministries, including women, gender, and diversity and environment. 
That's 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 one agency, <laughs> women, gender and diversity and environment. And this is and privatizing healthcare and education. See, those are all good things, even though she's trying to make them out to be bad things. This guy sounds great. So to me, this is one of those. I read this article because how I feel is exactly the reverse. But they state their case so eloquently opposing, you know, my argument that they actually make my argument by uh, by their opposition to things that are like, you know, freedom, good economy, prosperity, individual rights, things like that. Comments so far? Or shall I continue? Continue. Thank you. An outsider candidate who had no experience in public office until he was elected as a deputy in 2021. Deputy what? So wait a minute. Who do we know that's an outside candidate who had no experience in public office? Anybody come to mind? Jamal. Leading question. No. Donald Trump. Who did you say? Well, I was thinking about Harris, but uh, she did have some No, she has lots of experience. Oh, no. No, she's, yeah. she's, she was a senator. She was an attorney general in California. She's got plenty of experience of being an idiot and corrupt and going after gun owners and, and uh, putting people in jail for minor marijuana offenses. Oh, she's got plenty of government experience. That's why she's so bad at it. Like we say, uh, it's like the more time you spend in government, the more of an idiot you become. Just like the more time you spend in school, uh, the stupider they become. So, which proves, there's another reason to get rid of education. That NASA study proves that people are 98% genius level at five, and by the time they graduate high school, only 2% of them are geniuses. The rest of them, the other, you know, 98%, the other, uh, 98% are idiots. So they take uh, 90, 95% geniuses and turn them into 98% idiots. And yet we're paying for that. That's another reason not to have tax dollars go to education. But I digress. Then she says, an outsider candidate with no experience in public office until he declared deputy. This is Malay rose to fame as an eccentric right-wing TV pundit. Notice the word eccentric. She couldn't just say a conservative TV pundit or a libertarian TV, a libertarian economist TV pundit. No. She says an eccentric right-wing TV pundit prone to outbursts of rage. That means he's a hater. So he's eccentric, he's right-wing, and he's a hater. You get the propaganda? <laughs> I'll continue. Then she says he believes taxation is theft. Well, yeah. Uh, and famously raffled off his deputy salary because he sees it as illegitimate gains. Hmm. Sounds like Trump again. Trump gave it. Trump did not take a salary the whole four years he was in office. Did not. He took one dollar a year because he had to take something. So Trump turned his salary over to the Treasury. So all those people think Trump is a greedy SOB. You don't think Obama did that. You don't think Biden did that. You don't think any, has any Democrat ever given up the salary that I know of? No. Back to the article. His running mate, Victoria Villarreal. Okay, so he's running with a woman. Okay, so the, they can't criticize him on, on being sexist because his, his running mate's a woman. Then she is a known dictatorship denialist. What does that mean? Who has visited Argentina's former dictator Jorge Rafael Videla and other repressors in jail and disputed the number of victims forcibly disappeared by the dictatorship. Okay, that I don't know about, so I can't really comment. But that sounds pretty nasty. What's a dictatorship denialist? Would that be someone who uh, challenges the, the results of the 2020 election? Does that sound about right? Am I drawing a parallel here? Pianchi? We start in local life, yes. Mm-hmm. So, we're, so the picture is that this, this is the reason I call this guy the Argentinian Trump. Because the patterns are the same. The insults are the same. The propaganda is the same. The only difference is they didn't steal this election. That's the only difference I can see. And I haven't, I read this article earlier. I don't see any reference to voting machines. But you'll notice that the voting machines are, are mysteriously absent from any of the commentary. That I find interesting. I'll continue. Uh, 
After four years under President Alberto Fernandez's center-left government, in other words, a good government, Malay drags Argentina's window of, disco- of discourse dramatically uh, to the right. So, but the central-left government did terribly. <laughs> Here's what it says. Fernandez took office in December 2019, three months before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and implemented a lengthy lockdown. It was his first mistake. You don't lock down healthy people. Okay, so anybody that locked down their country, you know, the country, remember the country that didn't lock down? Do you remember Pianchi? Well, trivia test. Who was that? Sweden. Sweden didn't oh. lock down. Sweden laughed at the European Union and said, you people are idiots. Sweden did fine. The Swedish economy was fine. The Swedish people were fine. They didn't have vaccine passports. They didn't do all this other stuff. They didn't lock down. And as much as the European Union tried to demonize them and, and complain about them, their record was, was far better than any other country. The countries that locked down, England, Italy, France, Germany, suffered horribly because you don't lock down healthy people. That's stupid. Anyway, when you put it on that basis, a lot of this stuff looks ridiculous. But if, you, if all you deal with is a fear, oh, we have to lock down because it will prevent COVID. No, it won't. People are going to get COVID anyway, especially through their families. That's how disease is transmitted from families, right? That's why, that's why uh, kids bring home colds and their parents all get sick because of the same genetics. <laughs> Hello? Anyway, then it says the country also struggled to repay a record U.S. $44 billion credit line with uh, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, taken by the previous president, Mauricio Macri. So if they have a debt of $44 billion in U.S. dollars, that means they're on the U.S. dollar. Well, how can a nation be on somebody else's dollar? That's just dumb. Unless you're like Belize. <laughs> Belize is on the U.S. dollar, but it's worth uh, half as much. So, so uh, a, 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 a Belize dollar is like 50 cents U.S. That's why your money is so good in Belize. So we're all going down to Belize. Remember, uh, remember um, my, my friend? Okay, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Yeah, for, for breakfast. Exactly. We're going to talk to uh, – well, I'll look up my uh, – <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> I forgot your name. Well, I'm terrible at names anyway. But the fact is that if they have a $44 billion credit line with the IMF, see, this is how the IMF controls nations, but their currency is the U.S. dollar. Well, that's the first thing they have to change. They need to be on the Argentinian dollar so they can, they can regulate their own currency. See, if they're on the U.S. dollar, then the, then the U.S., uh, you know, the inflation rate regulates their inflation rate, that the U.S. dollar exchange rate, rec- you know, controls their economy. That's why it should never be on somebody else. This is why Europe should not be on the euro. Because the euro will dictate their, their country's economy. That's why Britain's on the pound, doing better. You know, we're screwed up on our dollar because our Congress borrows too much money. That's why we have a constitutional amendment to stop that. Then it says Massa became uh, economy minister in August 2022. This is the guy who's running for president, right? So Massa became economic, economy minister August 2022. That's a year ago, folks, a little over a year ago. This is after Martin Guzman resigned amid coalition infighting over the extended fund facility negotiated in March of that year to replace Macri's deal. I'm not sure what they're talking about. Dubbed the economy super minister. He was put in charge of an expanded economy ministry and included agriculture and productive development. In other words, central planning. So they're centrally planning the farms and the food. And we know how that works out, right? Collective farms in Russia killed millions of people. Then this is a move that many said put him in line for a shot at the, par- uh, the presidency. So the, the economy minister ran basically for president. This is, however, Massa has been unable to fix the country's troubled economy. Let me put that in English. He sucks. (laughs) He's a leftist communist using central planning to, and he's running his country's economy into the ground. But she won't say that because that would be too harsh on a left-wing person. He says unable to fix the country's troubled economy. So it's not his fault. He was just unable to fix it. That's the nice way of saying he sucks. 
Then it said, this year, Argentina's, Argentina's economic dire straits were worsened by a drought that wiped out much of the harvest of soy and other key commodity crops, slashing around U.S. $20 billion in export income. Well, if you already owe 44 and you lose $20 billion in export income, that's $64 billion in the hole. It's a lot of money. This, especially for Argentina, which doesn't have the U.S. economy. Then it says, at present, annual inflation is running. Are you ready for this? Well, you tell me. What do you think, the, given that the economy sucks, given that they had a terrible harvest, given that they've got a $44 billion debt to the IMF, they have to print money, U.S. dollars, I guess, you know, to cover their economy. What do you think the inflation rate is in Argentina, given those conditions? Just take a wild guess. What? About 2%? Inflation at 2%? No. No, no, no. 144%. So that's 44% more than the total GDP of the country per annum. No, that, that means that the dollar, uh, that they're, they're inflating their economy with so many dollars that each, each one do, that it costs $144 to buy what last year cost $1. No, what last year cost $100. No, because the doubling, $144. Uh, a dollar forty-four right. cents more to this year compared to a dollar last year. Well, if you have ten percent inflation, everything that you pay a dollar for costs a dollar ten, because that's ten percent more. Right. So what's one hundred forty-four percent? Well, let's, let's, so it's one hundred forty-four percent. If it's if if, if so it a dollar, was a dollar last year, this year it's a dollar forty-four cents. Actually, it'd be two dollars and forty-four cents, wouldn't it? Because one hundred percent doubles it. And forty-four percent makes it almost half. So it'd be two. So for every dollar, now they got to pay two dollars and forty-four cents for the same good, right? One hundred forty-four percent. If it was two hundred percent, they'd have to pay. No, that that'd be uh, so one hundred percent increase. That'd be doubling. Two hundred percent increase would be quadrupling. That'd be four dollars for every one dollar. All right, we need an economist. Somebody with math, you know, puts. A, where, where's uh, where's? Let me let me check on live chat. Let's see if, uh, if, know, Marco, if Marco's bailed. Hey, Marco, can you bail us out here? I'm not good with numbers, but 144%. My, my option in stock trading tells me it's $1.44, whereas last year it was a dollar. No, that's 4.4% inflation. That's not 144% inflation. <laughs> Greg, go ahead and read the story, will you? <laughs> yeah, okay. This is why I don't do math. So you wonder why I'm not an economist? That's why, because my math sucks. <laughs> anyway, let me, well, let, let me put it this way. Let's put it in terms of, of uh, re, a thing we understand. When the, the worst inflation we had under Brandon was 9%. And at 9%, people were panicking. Um, everything was going up. Now, just because the inflation rate is 9% doesn't mean the cost of goods doesn't go faster than that, because it may. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's yeah. all right, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do this for tomorrow. I'm going to find out what 144% means. I know is it's it's like a hundred times more. <laughs> so I think I think a dollar buy it takes one hundred forty four dollars to buy what a dollar bought before. That's what I think it means. One hundred percent is one dollar. No, I'd be one percent. Well, all right. So you got thousand dollars now. You're paying eleven hundred forty four for it. All right, I, we better move on. <laughs> we only got twenty minutes left. All right. Anyway. Uh, it says, all right, then it says, uh, it says now four, all right, so we got the inflation rate, which we, I can't rationalize yet. Then it says more than four in 10 people are living in poverty, including 50, 56% of children. That's terrible. 
Vincent Millet surprised the country by coming first in Argentina's primary elections in August. He has been coming third in the polls during the campaign. So, now, so this is where this is very Trumpian, right? So in, when Trump was running, the polls had him way down. Hillary Clinton had a, what the New York Times said he had a 98% chance of winning, right? Hillary Clinton was going to win, was going to beat Trump. 98% of the odds were in her favor. Trump wins. So the polls are skewed, right? The polls are skewed against uh, Malay to try and suppress uh, voter turnout. It didn't work. Right? Massa managed to turn things around, receiving 37% of the vote. Malay 30%. And this is Patricia Bullrich, the candidate for the right wing Juntos por la Gumbia, together for change. I thought Juntos meant uh, military dictatorship. Anyway, was also knocked out in the first round. All right, there we go. Anyway, the point is that uh, this, this guy's good. <laughs> this, is, this is really interesting. Let me uh, do a little bit more here. I got another article from the Buenos Aires Herald from Malay himself. Javier Malay, there is no room for gradualism. Characterized once again as the far-right libertarian uh, economy won Argentina's um, this is the far-right libertarian economy won Argentina's 2023 presidential runoff by 12 percentage points on Sunday. Let's see. This is by Valen Iricabar. Well, at least he's Spanish. Okay. Or at least he's probably Argentinian. Far-right libertarian candidate Javier Malay. There's that theme again. Gave her a strange victory speech on Sunday after early results showed him winning. Let's see what he says about Let me get a quote from him here. It says, today is the beginning of the end of Argentina, Argentina's decline. He said, today we turn the page and return to a path we should never have strayed from. Today we embrace the ideas of liberty once again, which made us the world's number one superpower in the 19th century. Was Argentinian? I'm not, this is new. Wait a minute, that would have been Argentina was the, the world's superpower in the 1800s. I thought Britain was. This is interesting. What do you think of that? Well, they're counting Britain. You know, during the Falcon War, you know how long it took a ship to leave Britain to get down to Argentina? It took almost a week. Oh, I thought it was closer to like three. <laughs> it was longer than that. Britain, longer than no, Britain is uh, just to go to show you the supremacist, white supremacist idea that existed in Britain. Here they wanted to control Argentina. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, they were, they were, quote, rescuing British citizens on the Falkland Islands, which they claimed as British territory. I understand that. So now I don't know all the details. All I know is Margaret Thatcher fought whoever the leader of Argentina was. And I remember I was in actually Europe, you know, uh, when that happened, when, there, when the Falklands War was happening. And I met a, a soldier, I met a sailor, actually, who was on the Sheffield. It was one of the ships that was hit by the French Exocet missiles. The Sheffield sank. He had burns all over him. Uh, not really bad, but, you know, like scab burns, things like that. So he had like second degree, maybe some third degree burns. So he was on the Sheffield. He told me all about it. Um, and so it was really interesting. So the Falcons were, and I met a guy that was a Harrier pilot. He says, I can't wait to get in this. You know, he was smoking his pipe. He's like, I'm going, I'm going. I can't wait. He's like, I'm on my way to, to, to war. I'm going to go fight the, the RGs. That's what he called, he called them, the RGs. So, so, I, it was, so it was interesting being in England and in Europe when the Falcons War was going on. Anyway, um, but yeah, Archie, I don't know why they fought over that island. But uh, I understand Margaret Thatcher. If they're British citizens, you know, it'd be less, it'd be like us fighting for, uh, what would be, Hawaii, for example. So say someone wanted to invade Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> which has been tried once before. Uh, would we not defend Hawaii? Yeah, but who do, the British, who do the British pay taxes to? Don't they pay taxes to Argentina? For the Falklands? I don't think so. The Falklands British territory. 
They're British the citizens Falcons on the have Falcon no Island. business being a British territory, just like they try to say Jamaica is a British. It was under the Commonwealth. That's ridiculous. Totally yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know. If you want to do research and find out the, what's going on with the Falcons in Argentina, all I know is Argentina wanted to take it over. They wanted to kick the British citizens out. Margaret Thatcher went to war over this rock. It's this windy, desolate series of islands off the coast of Argentina, way down south, close to the Antarctic. It's freezing down there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but they went to war there. All right. Let's see if I can find you some more Malay quotes. He says, uh, Sunday's shocking victory comes on the heels of the Union por la Patria, uh, Sergio Massa victory in the first round. Okay, there we go. They should, they should shoulder their responsibility until the end of their mandate, Malay said, referring to the current administration. Uh, that way, once it's over, we can transform this tragic reality of millions of Argentines. So the changes that the country needs are drastic. There is no room for gradualism, for lukewarmness, for half measures. So in that respect, he's like Trump, too. You know, Trump went in, signed the Keystone Pipeline, sealed the border, opened up the jobs, taxed the hell out of, uh, tariffed the hell out of China, made NATO pay their fair share, did the Abraham Accords, stopped North Korea from, from t- nuclear testing, prevented the war in Ukraine. There's no gradualism in anything that Trump did. Basically murdered ISIS, killed them. You know, took out Soleimani, took out al-Baghdadi. So that's direct action. So this guy, this guy, as I say, he's the Argentinian Trump. He's the same model. There's no room for gradualism. Then it says the new president's flagship proposals include dollarizing the Argentine economy, closing down the central bank, privatizing education and healthcare, and abolishing 11 ministries, including those of culture, environment, women, uh, and the women, gender, and diversity. Well, that's a good thing. He's making government smaller. So let's, let's take those proposals one at a time here. Dollarizing the Argentine economy. I don't know what that means. You know what dollarizing means? I'm going to look it up. Dollarizing. D-O-L-L-A-R-I-Z-I-N-G. No, it already is the U.S. dollar because the debt's in U.S. dollars. I think they're going to make it Argentinian dollars. So let's so, well, look up. Yeah. yeah, okay. Let's go dollarizing the yard. Right, dollar. Who dollars do they use? Does Argentina have its own money? If it got a central bank, it should. I don't know. Well, if you get rid of the central bank, now this is, this is where it gets interesting, okay? This might be something. I, I bet you Trump's looking at it. Don't be surprised if Trump goes down there. I bet you Trump's there within uh, two weeks of his inauguration. He'll be there between December 10th when he gets inaugurated and Christmas. Betcha, betcha. Oh, it says they have the peso. Let's see what CNN says. I hate, uh, oh, let's go CNN. CNN always appears first. So I guess they're on the peso. They're they're not in the U.S. dollars. It says London, CNN, Javier Millet won Argentina's presidential election on Sunday. Um, victory speech Sunday drastic reforms it's all the same quotes before they're going to go to a dollar US dollar back well let's find out it says it says uh, okay well, that maybe it is maybe they are going to the US dollar from the peso that would be interesting okay you might that, that probably uh, that may, well here's what it says Financial markets broadly welcome Malay's victory, which is likely to usher in a sea change in economic policymaking. Malay must tackle inflation above 140 percent, 
a shortfall in foreign currency reserves, and the prospect of another painful recession. Argentine, Argentina's dollar bonds rose Monday. I'm going to ask Derek about this. Uh, rose Monday, because he's, he's off this Friday. While the New York listed shares of several Argentine companies surged, statement to the financial markets closed for today. Uh, but the peso weakened slightly in partial trade to stand around 353 to the U.S. dollar. 353 pesos to the dollar. That's a terrible rate of exchange. The value of the currency has plunged 875% to the dollar over the past five years. Boy, they devalued it. That's where their inflation comes from. Malay has pledged to remove currency controls and import restrictions, which analysts say would result in even more pressure on the peso, taking the value of the currency closer to the levels at which it trades on various informal markets. Uh, Bruno Gennari, Argentine expert at fixed income broker, you know, said the peso was trading 1,009 pesos to the dollar. Uh, dollars, I'm still trying. I want to get this through before we get done today. I'm just trying to read an article. Oh, here we go. Dollarization means Argentina would give up the peso and use the U.S. dollar as its currency. Okay, so you're absolutely right. Effectively wrestling, wrestling control of monetary policy from the country's central bank and handing it to the U.S. Federal Reserve. That's a mistake. That's a huge mistake. Then it says the move would also deprive Argentina's... Go ahead, Pianchi. What were you going to say? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he won. Because he was going to go for U.S. dollars. But that only works if our economy works. Why would you put? Why would Argentina put themselves under our Federal Reserve when our Federal Reserve has screwed up our economy since 1913? All the inflation that we have now. Maybe so the dollar is worth that, about. Are they, they dropped some zeros on their currency? What's their What's their peso to the dollar? Well, on informal markets, it's at a thousand. It's basically a thousand pesos to the a dollar. A thousand. Yeah. So on what they do is drop two zero. They would drop two zeros on their uh, currency. Yeah, but you can't just do that. Yes, they do. Ghana. Well, does. They, who? What's that? China did it. Ghana, West Africa did it. Ghana did it. Okay, and what happened to their economy? Nothing. It is no. They don't have to carry as much money to the bank. Well, that's a good thing, but you, you can't just drop two zeros. But but those dollars, but that currency is still not worth more just because um, you drop zeros. Well, actually, it's, it's not worth more. It's not worth less. They just drop two zeros. And you drop two zeros, they're reduced to quantity, right. but it doesn't do anything to the, the worth is still there. Oh, that's interesting. No, I, I, need, I need to look more into that. It's, it's a, I've never heard of that. It's an interesting concept. Anyway, let me get back to this here. It says, Malay will need all the help he can get. World Bank expects our economy to contract by 2.5% in 2023. That's bad. Owing to the devastating drought, we already heard about that. Uh, huh. Yeah, the, the world government uh, banking things, IMF, they're not thrilled with this. But let's, let's see. But let's get... Uh, Let's get back to it. In order to dollarize, you need to stabilize the economy, kill hyperinflation, rebuild foreign exchange reserves. You need fiscal consolidation and eventually you need access to capital markets. Well, those are all good things, but I don't think dollarization well, is the way to go. To put our... What did they okay. produce? Um, big it's a big agricultural exporter. I don't know what else they have. All right, well, then. yeah. So if they're exporting, if, they're, if their big industry is agriculture, then that's their production. See, you can give 
people as much money as you want, but if they don't produce, what good is it because they're going to spend it? Then they don't have anything to replace it. It has to have a yeah. production system on it. Yeah, you got wealth. You've got uh, you've got money, but you don't have wealth. You know, printing money does not create wealth. This is, this is what the government, this is what the Keynesians don't understand. They think if you print money, you get more money. You don't, because the wealth stays the same. The way you get wealth well, is if your population people... increase, you got to print money so that people have it. But if you but if you not produce, the United States don't produce anything like they used to say during World War II, coming out of World War II. They, the production is, is – see, people want access to Americans' markets because they think Americans have got a lot of money. Yeah, now, their don't. savings will increase about 900% by time in in next three years, according to some mm-hmm. stats. But yep. uh, they, they, that may be a lot of that may be in the value of the houses increasing too, so – you have to produce something. No, I agree with you. But I don't think you have to print money when the population increases. Because, well, if you well, do, yeah, well, if you print money, if, you, if the wealth, if you're printing money to cover the wealth, that's okay. But if you're printing money just because the population increases, like if we printed, you know, uh, another trillion dollars because we have 15 million illegals and they need money, no. No, because money doesn't work that way. Besides, you can always have lower. So, so what happens is what they used to do is have lower denominations. So instead of hundreds, people would be carrying 20s because it'd be, the 20s would be worth more. They wouldn't need hundreds. And instead of 20s, they'd be carrying 10s. Instead of 5s, 5s, 1s, they'd be carrying change. People don't carry change now because it's not worth anything. 13. If you, you know, uh, three if cents. If you've got 10 people in a room and each one has $10, what happens if you put 20 people in a room? Yeah, but the economy is not a room, so that's not a valid example. Well, it's an example. You're, ta- you're talking about a closed people, system. The people, the people mm-hmm. is what make the economy move. So you those people are going to produce. Yeah. Those but, people are going to produce, and they're going to get paid. you got to have dollars to pay them in. Yeah, but, but you're, you're thinking that you're a purely cash economy. We're not. We have a credit economy. We have debit cards and credit cards, and we have transfers, and we have wire transfers, and money moves in all kinds of besides cash. So, so, so the link for cash has nothing related to the economy except the amount of cash. Now, I like cash. I use cash whenever I can because I want to keep cash being used. You know, I don't go to self checkouts because I, I, I want I want store cards last to be month, what, The mm-hmm. cash you used last month, we're replacing it for this month. What? How did you replace it for this month? Well, direct deposits and uh, earning money and things like that. All right. Well, that's income. So you got income. But if you have 10 people in a room and each has $10 in their pocket, if you put Mm -hmm. 20 people in those rooms, then they have to have additional money for them to have money in their pocket. You're assuming that the the 10 people walking in don't have – wait a minute, but you're assuming that people walking in don't have their own money. What if they have – what if they, they have don't. $20? People coming across the border don't have no money. Sure they do. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, how, how are they buying all, right, all their Rick. backpacks and cell phones and how are they doing everything else? they got plenty of money. Now, it was given to them by our government or somehow they got plenty of money. These people are not dirt poor. Yeah, well, but the, you just don't get it. That's okay. No, is, no, I do get it. I'm just, I'm just challenging your argument. What I'm saying is that you're making assumptions about it. You can't assume that the extra people in the room don't have money of their own because, because the economy is not a closed they, system. 
You don't if, know that. If, if they were just born, if they if you got ten people in the room, then all uh-huh. of a sudden the, those ten have one baby apiece. Now you got mm-hmm. twenty. Mm-hmm. So in order to have cash for that baby to have money, you got to print more. Yeah, babies don't need money though. Babies don't need when money to to like kids. Yeah, but but you're still you're still operating on a closed system, and that's why I don't think it's a valid example. It's an interesting well, example, but it's not, it's not valid. Circulation of dollars, man. You think we got the same circulation of dollars in 2023 that we had in, in 1950? No, there's more dollars, but we also have more wealth in the country, too. We've got a greater GDP. So as long as the you dollars match the GDP, right, as long as the dollars match the GDP, as long as you don't print more dollars than the economy produces in wealth, you're okay. Ideally, you have fewer dollars than the economy produces because then each dollar buys more. So here's the answer to your argument. You know, if everybody has a dollar, but what if the dollar becomes worth more? You don't need so many dollars overall. That, well, that dollar not, might buy twice as much. Regard- it's not based okay. on the worth. You got to have physical currency. Magic Johnson is now worth a billion dollars. Ten years, he's worth five hundred million. Mm-hmm. So if he wanted to say, "All right, I want all my money," you got to have one thousand thousand one dollar bills for him to have. Whereas last ten years ago, you only needed five hundred million. So. In order for him to get that one thousand, one thousand, you have to print some more dollar bills. No, no, I'm not. What I'm saying is that most transactions aren't even done in cash, so you don't have to print any more money. See, Regardless, cash, the, the transfers to, happen if he all the time. Throw it on the bed. If you want to yeah. just throw it on the bed, Greg, uh-huh. you gotta have you gotta have that amount in physical dollars for him to be able to do it. Now it has nothing to do well, with he, the work. He could the actually get. He he could get a billion dollars. He could do that. He could take all his money and cash it in and get one billion one dollar bills. He could do that. Right. So he's going to take a billion dollars out of circulation. They have to replace it with a billion dollars in order well, for actually, the money no, to well, actually, circulate. Well, actually, if he if he takes a billion dollars out of circulation, then every dollar in circulation is now worth more. Because there are a billion fewer of them. That actually would be a good thing. I wish he would do well, that. He'd me. actually help the so, economy. So, so he go from a billion to two billion just because mm-hmm. he took his one bit. He physically count one, two, three, four, five, up to a billion. That's what's laying on the bed. Right. It's not the worst. It's the physical number. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is this is a lot more fluid, and this is a fluid system. Uh, the government can print money as needed as long as they print money within the GDP. If they start printing money outside of our wealth, that's when we get inflation. If you have more dollars than wealth, you have inflation. If you have fewer dollars than wealth, you have deflation. And that way, every dollar is worth more. So, so it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not each person. We don't print money so that people will, will actually have it because that's Keynesian. That, that doesn't make sense. But what does make sense is that if you want to you know, bring prosperity to everybody, you take away and you have deflation. If you want to take money away from people, you have inflation. If you want to transfer the value of money to the government and the Federal Reserve, you have inflation. That's why the government always has inflation, because it wants the value of money. And it wants the Fed to have the value of money, because the Fed controls the government to a large extent. But if you want to get rid of the Fed, if you want to get rid of the government controlling the money, you use deflation. And Congress regulates how much money there is in the economy. And by, by reducing the amount of dollars in circulation, we have way more dollars in circulation than people need. Remember, like I, I've been trying to make this point, that in 1913, when the Federal Reserve came in, uh, what a dollar buys today only took three or four cents back in 1913. 
So that's how much inflation has taken away the value of the dollar. It's like 97% gone. You have to, you have to pay a dollar for what you used to pay three cents for. Okay. So if we had, if we brought the dollar back to its 1913 value, well, you wouldn't need a whole lot of dollars. So as the dollar increases in value, you need fewer of them. So your answer of the distribution of money, of having to print money so everyone will have it, doesn't hold because as the dollar increases in value, you need what fewer of them. What was the population Oh, it's less. It doesn't matter. We're not All talking right. about so population. When you, when you we're, talking the population about the, we're talking about the value of money. When you increase the population, that means uh-huh. that you got more pockets that's got to have dollars in it. So you got to print more physical dollars. No, no matter it's, what it's, the it's word not a, is, you got to print more physical dollars. No, it's not true. This, it's, you're assuming a linear and a closed system. I agree. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, let, we'll let everybody decide what they think, and we'll see what Marco thinks about this. But I, I, just, don't, I just don't think the example is valid. That's all. No problem. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, so tomorrow we're starting an hour late uh, because I've got uh, Dr. Brian Artis is going to join us at 10 o'clock, and 10 o'clock is when we usually shut down. So we're going to try and schedule um, Bill and uh, Wendy for hopefully uh, Thursday morning because uh, nothing else is scheduled. Let me see. Is anything else scheduled Thursday morning? No. Oh, I got the wrong date. No, that's the right day. Thursday morning is Thanksgiving. Nobody's going to be here Thursday. We'll catch them next week. <laughs> so we're going to start late tomorrow. We'll have Bonnie and Bianca, and then we'll have uh, Brian. So tomorrow's the B-Day. B-Day? I probably shouldn't phrase it that way. Anyway, so we've got Bonnie, Bianca, and Brian. And so those will be my guests tomorrow. It should be fun. Anyway, it's always, it's always a challenge to discuss these things with Pianchi because uh, it's an interesting example. I just don't, uh, I don't think it's, uh, it holds for the reasons I said. All right, let me play a few more things. We'll get out of here. It's now 10.01. It is time to go. Uh, and we'll see you all tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of um, Javier Millet uh, and, uh, what, uh, and the liberal <laughs> Buenos Aires Herald that doesn't like him. Let's see what happens. I think dollarization of his economy is a mistake. I think he should make, uh, he should uh, reduce the uh, the amount of pesos in circulation, and stop the inflation and make each peso worth more. That's that would be my solution. Talk to you tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central, when we do it. All, oh, excuse me, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Central. We start the show tomorrow. 8 a.m. Central. That's when we will do it all again. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850 623 
888-646-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Action Radio. 